And okay, Richard Hart, thank you for doing this. Welcome. What we are doing is we are interviewing Richard on his channel, and it's a bit different because usually we do it um, a recording, but we're going live to get you guys involved. So welcome back to Richard's channel, and we'll be answering your questions at the end of this interview. Richard, thank you so much for getting on this interview with me, by the way. My pleasure. I love and saying just, smart stuff to smart people. <laughs> Thank you. And just to get the people in line watching this uh, interview, this interview is for the Crypto Factor book number two, which is coming out soon. The Crypto Factor one is features what some of the most successful people in the world in crypto and what it really takes to succeed in this industry. So, Richard, I know you have a lot of value to offer. I'm very excited, very pumped to get you on board for number two. Happy to be here. I hope you sell a zillion books. I'm trying, man. And, and for the people watching, by the way, this is the Crypto Factor Part 1. It's 450 pages of pure gold. It features people like Antonopoulos, McAfee, Ver, a lot more people. So get your hands on it. The it's a long Factor book. book. It's a lot of pages. Yeah, we had we even had to shorten it down. So, Richard, let's get this interview started. So, mm -hmm. um, and then we can ask your audience if they have any questions, and maybe we can answer them. What do you think? Sounds good. I'm ready. Okay, Richard. Richard, before you became Richard Hart, well, obviously you were always Richard Hart, but before you became the Richard Hart we know, what were you like? If if I met you in high school, what would I think about you? I was, I was the guy that got in very, very, very last because someone else didn't make it into the smartest possible school. So, uh, like, I was really lucky. My mom always read to me when I was young, and uh, I started reading at like three. You know, she'd follow along with the words and stuff. And then, uh, you know, I went to elementary school, and I was only there like a day or two. They pulled me out of class, and they're like, "All right, you got to take this test." And then they just kicked me out of that school to a smarter person's school. I was like, all right, uh, that's weird. And then that school was all black. So there was like eight or nine white kids in the gifted class. <laughs> like, it was like a funny experience. So when I get angry, I speak differently than I do in normal language. So like where I grew up was a pretty shitty neighborhood. And uh, so, then I, there was this, so when you go to elementary school, there's like five years of it. And then you go to middle school and this guy named Burt Kaufman, I think he was an MIT grad. He, uh, he invented his own like teaching system, his own new math. And it was really amazing. And it was taught down in Davie, Florida, just west of Fort Lauderdale, about 15 minutes. And that, you know, he invented it and he taught it there. And it was called MEGSSS, math education for gifted secondary school students. And the curriculum in that program was more advanced than anything that I ever got after, including high school, college. So we learned logic and set theory before math, because you can derive wow. math from those things. So we were learning syllogistic inference and modus ponens and modus tollens and, uh, you know, a lot of straight up logic in sixth grade. Like, I don't even know how old you are in sixth grade. I think you're 12 years old. Right. So, and then it just kept being good. Like, so we learned programming too, and we didn't learn 
the programming most people would be taught, which would be like basic, like we learned scheme programming, which is a dialect of Lisp, which is the most powerful programming language in the world. Now, because it's so powerful, it has no adoption because everyone just builds their own dialect that no one else can build off of and it's not well documented, right? So okay. I, got, I got really, 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 really lucky with my education from elementary to middle and then high school is basically whatever, you know, take shop and take gym and like lift weights and just like waste. Didn't learn anything. <laughs> Didn't learn anything at all. Uh, so I went to college a year early and they just paid for me to go to college for free. Um, just cause I decided to graduate a year early. It's called early admissions. And yeah, I guess I was the king of the nerds. Like I was the most popular nerd, had no fashion sense or Led Zeppelin t-shirt every day. Like just didn't get many dates, <laughs> but it's all different now. Like now, they get as many days as I want. You just learn new skills, right? Like fashion's a skill. Right. And so take, you know, people put their skills in different orders. Some people learn computers first and people later. And some people learn people first and, you know, computers later. So you can't, it's pretty hard to learn them all at the same time. Uh, did you, um, who did you hang out with though? What were your friends like, for example? Well, I mean, so because everyone there was super, super, super intelligent, like, way smarter than me. I, I was the, you know, I barely got in there. Right. So like my SAT score was a 1390 out of 1600. Um, and then everyone else there was like 1500, 1600 flat, like perfect couples, perfect scores in there. I couldn't get a perfect score if I wanted to. Right. They're just smarter humans than me. So we didn't, there was no dating, <laughs> like no one dated in our class. Uh, you know, the jocks, so you basically what in high school you have goths, jocks, uh, cheerleaders, nerds. We were the nerds, but it was a school of nerds, right? So no fashion sense, no dating, no drugs. It's just weird, different experience than, than what most kids have. So we just played cards in the hallways and, uh, you, you learn this thing where if you, if you get up on your friend playing cards, uh, you know, he's just going to keep doing double or nothing until he doesn't owe you anymore. <laughs> and then he'll try and transfer his debt to all his friends. So you have to like collect from them. It was like, you learn all these tricks growing up. Right. Right. Well, they say that, um, you are the sum of your, if you hang out with five drug dealers, you'll become the sixth. If you hang out with five millionaires, you'll become the sixth. So, uh, I guess that worked out for you there. So yeah, what about I mean, it, it Part of the reason I got into business is I had a friend that, uh, you know, he started his own computer business when we were in middle school. Um, mm. Like he was building computers and selling them out of his mom's house or whatever. And then uh, I ended up doing the same thing for Carsteria. So the same thing he did, you know, selling stuff out of your house. He did it for computers and I did it for Carsteria stuff. And then, you know, he built a shopping cart later on in life. And then I sold that shopping cart, right? And like, right. He was all he, like the, the he was always ahead of me, right? So he did martial arts a year ahead of me. Then I did it for a couple years after him, same class. He it was his idea to do the graduating early. I never heard of it. So I always he was always ahead of me, and that helped me get to where I am. Like I retired mm -hmm. at twenty five. Like what do you want? I worked for a couple years and retired and traveled the world. Doesn't get much better than that, right? I mean. I guess I could have more impact, which I'm working on now. So, so your first job, you started your own business? My first job was working for my dad. So my dad uh, delivered newspapers 
to the airport mm-hmm. and to 7-Elevens and it's called commercial delivery. So there's home delivery where you're like throwing them out of your car against people's doorsteps. And then there's commercial delivery where you're taking huge stacks, which is I think why I have good trap muscles because you're just carrying these papers around all the time. And, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. You got to make sure they don't slide out when that, like on the Sundays when they have the comics in there and the inserts, they get really slippery. So you really got to pin them in there. I'm surprised you know that. Uh, so yeah. And then your hours are weird, right? So your night starts at like midnight and then it finishes up at like five or six. Um, and then he also had an air conditioning company too that he started and you know, we'd go out and fix air conditioners and stuff, which is in Florida, a very, very, very crappy job. You make less money than plumbers, electricians, carpenters, right? But you have to be able to do plumbing and electrician work and carpentry and drywall. You have to be able to do everyone else's job, but you don't get paid anymore for it, which is funny. And like working in an attic where it'll be a hundred plus degrees outside and 90% humidity and then it's you in an attic surrounded by fiberglass, which itches and doesn't wash off. And you can't prevent it from getting in every part of your body and itching. Mm. You can try and put baby powder on first, but it never worked for me. And then it's just you and your light, your single light bulb up there. This was before LEDs, right? That They weren't a thing. So you're up there alone in the heat. The roof has a million nails through it that if you sit up too high, you're getting a nail in the back sweating oh, to wow. death and then while you're in there someone kicks the extension cord and now you don't have any light and it's dark you just see like a little light coming through the, the roof and when you yell no one can hear you because the fiberglass like eats up all the sound it's terrible terrible absolutely worst crappiest job i mean roofing because you have to breathe the tar is pretty crappy too or if you're a plumber and someone sends a log down the pipe at you i mean i guess everyone's got their own version of what sucks so right. I, I came, I came from nothing and I appreciate, you know, I was eating McDonald's yesterday and I was like, damn, this is delicious. I like McDonald's. I was raised in McDonald's. This tastes good. I don't need, I, I know what, you know, Michelin class, Michelin star restaurants taste like, and I know what McDonald's tastes like. And then because I grew up with less, I appreciate, I don't, I don't need the silver spoon stuff. I do it because yeah, it's a little better, but I'm okay if I'm not. So would you say that job was one of the important roles that made you want to become an entrepreneur, made you want to do your own stuff? Well, I think, you know, from the very beginning in school, everything was teamwork and working in teams. And then when I was growing up, everything was teamwork. So I was working with people from fifth grade all the way through my entire life with everyone with different backgrounds. And then mm. the funny thing is in air conditioning, everyone's addicted to drugs. So everyone's got their license suspended. Everyone lives with their mom. Everyone is going to court for some reason soon. Everyone needs money, constantly broke, and they're all addicted to drugs, whether it's alcohol or crack. Crack was surprisingly popular amongst people I worked with. And uh, yeah, you get funny stories out of it. Like it turns out people that have crack addictions tend to have very interesting life experiences that you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that you could have. <laughs> like, right. like when you drive into a certain part of the neighborhood, that, you know, a normal person would never go, but that's where the crack is. A lot of weird, violent things happen over there. Like, you know, you give them the money and they don't give you the drugs. And now you're fighting, you know, in the car, punching in and out of it, like hilarious stories, but those guys don't live that long. So all the people, I guess one of them still alive. So, but mm-hmm. he's in jail. Um, 
Yeah, Florida sucks. It's a shithole. It's a violent, drug-riddled, hot, nobody speaks English. Uh, I don't like it at all. So that's that's my experience growing up in Florida. So after you did your own um, company uh, and, and you essentially became an entrepreneur, and we're going to get back into that in a second. One question. How did you get involved in Bitcoin? When was like the first time so how did you get involved? When I, I, I did this car stereo store out of my front yard, got a store, um, hired all my friends. I was lucky they were smart because we all went to smart kids school. Then uh, my buddy had a shopping cart, started selling that. Then he got a client that did mortgages. So then we started doing mortgage leads. Then I started a mortgage company. We did pay-per-click management. We did SEO. Then uh, got up to 150 employees, sold anything that we could sell on the internet, grossed about 60 million a year. Um, oh. And this is just, I started this on my own. And it would take me about two years every business. So like my car stereo store was about two years. The search engine optimization was maybe about a year. And then uh, everything else blew up. That took about two years and then just need to do it anymore. Like the money, you realize that money doesn't actually, once you make over 75 grand a year, the studies say you are not going to get any happier for more money. Um, you're not gonna get less happy. You're not gonna get more happy. And my experience was, and particularly living in Florida, is that you're gonna get the shit robbed out of you. So, you know, uh, people just leave with hard drives or you see people looking over other people's shoulders, steal data. You have to sue people and get, uh, injunctions because they're stealing your client list like you know it, it's just a ton of suck right and then lawyers you give them money but you never get money back it's magical right like the a lawyer will do a wonderful job but then when you look at the end totals the lawyer made money and no one else made money so mm. yeah just i called it quits and started traveling the world um so when you're traveling the world this is around 2003 uh, moved down to Panama, got the shit robbed out of me, moved to Argentina, uh, did Europe for four years, Australia, just everywhere. Um, I think I had to go to like 20 different countries at least. Do about, you know, if a country's big, you can play around in different cities there, maybe a yeah. month. If a country's small, you might only be able to do a week. Um, so when you're browsing around, you got nothing to do. You got a lot of reading time and a lot of gaming time. So I was addicted to games for a good decade blew 10 years of my life on stupid games. I used to read Reddit all the time, right? Mm. And on Reddit, I saw when Bitcoin was less than a dollar. And then I saw it when it was a dollar and someone had like sold their house for it. I think it was like 270 grand, maybe 170, but I think 270. And then, uh, you know, then I saw the Silk Road article. The price was like 10 or 12. And then when I got in, it was 30. I got to be part of the fucking absolute top that then went down to one. And I was also mining at the same time because because I was addicted to games, I had a really strong video card. It was mm -hmm. a ATI 5970, which is a dual uh, chip on one card. And they're like the two strongest chips on one single card. And then I you know, was able to mine full blocks by myself uh, with 50 coin rewards. Didn't last very long because the difficulty got so high so quickly. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I pretty much, I heard about it on Reddit first, probably as early as anybody, you know, under a dollar, but didn't get in and then FOMO'd the top with everyone else that saw the Silk Road article. So you, you'd be surprised, like you could be a very successful businessman, which I was, but you don't know anything about order books or liquidity or slippage or depth and you're 
So when you are just like FOMO the top, market buy it, you know, <laughs> had I been uh, a week later or a week earlier, I'd have uh, 10 times the money. Mm. It's like fucked up, you know, it's like. <laughs> it's when I first heard about it, I wanted to buy it, but I didn't know how. Right. And uh, I was lucky. I started working for, I was training and coaching a company, mentoring its owner, and his brother-in-law was into it. And that's how I got into it. All right. Um, what was the price when um, you got in round about uh, 2,500, 2,700. That's pretty late, man. <laughs> right before it, it was a little bit before the summertime in 2017. That's so pretty, I got late. In pretty late. Yeah. But I was working Forex before that. I was teaching technical analysis and stuff like that. Right. So I had some experience, yeah. but I was teaching it, not doing it. So right. I experienced emotions and, yeah. uh, you know, so this is for another story, but I, I can understand how you can FOMO. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, I mean, if FOMOing 2,500 and riding it to 20K is a pretty good deal. You know? I was FOMOing all the way into 17,000, man. <laughs> yeah. And I was buying dips. <laughs> yeah. Buying dips is a great plan until the dips keep dipping. And you're like, oh, we dropped 45 plus percent. 42 to 46% three times in like 60 days, 40 days. You're like, insane. wow, every dip fire just got fucking destroyed, you know? Yeah. Um, and then our fake, we gonna bounce up from our fake support at 6K, okay. the fake 6K yeah. support, the dead cat that opened the trap door. Then I would tr I would tr so I have a trading channel. Uh, it's t.me forward slash Strape Charts. There's 2,000 people in there. And, uh, you know, I said, like, when, when trap door, right? because we just got lower high, lower high, lower high, lower high. You're like, yeah. well, what happens when you can't, you, you can't bounce at all anymore, right? And that thing went and dropped 50% plus in a couple days, right? And if, if I, so my theory on why that happened is someone was defending the $100 billion market cap is mm. what I think was occurring there. Cause that, that shape, that graph shape has never been seen before in Bitcoin ever. That is one weird flat bottom triangle wall at 6,000 and then total capitulation right after it broke. So someone, someone was using margin or defending that price point unreasonably. And mm. it's, it's almost, to me, it seems, I don't think most people understand how in, interconnected the crypto markets are. If Bitcoin dumps, everything dumps. If a shitcoin pumps, I can't say that that mad, be, mean word anymore. Bad word. If an altcoin pumps, it tends to bring the rest of the market up, right? And then, so today, for instance, XRP got listed on Coinbase about two hours ago. That's and, why there was a pump. I was doing a video. Yeah. Re really? Yep. Oh, so awesome. XRP just got listed on Coinbase about two hours ago. And... That one, I believe, moved first and farthest. I think it's up 10% now. Um, and then you'll see everything else trying to trail it. So like the pump from TRX happened the same thing. So TRX pumps because they're airdropping BitTorrent tokens to the holders. And then because that pumped, now everything else has to pump, right? And it's just so alien and weird and stupid and, and just non-reasonable. So in that the real world- explain the dump. That may Which actually dump? explain the dump. Oh, what, like two days ago? Yeah. Like a day ago. What was it? Everything we, still made a, we still made a higher low. 
Like yeah. we just we just gave back three quarter of the the two bull flags. So there's two yeah, big bull I'm flags. We is, gave back half of the second bull flag, the first bull flag, I'm which is the second down. Is, who knew that XRP would get listed on Coinbase? Everyone and that works at Google Coinbase is, and everyone that works at Ripple. <laughs> and did they use this to their advantage? Well, it doesn't I'm look saying. like it. The chart the chart no, doesn't I'm, look as fucked yeah. up as the Bcash launch yeah. did. Um, so there's still a lot of volatility. I mean, just a few days ago. Pump 10% dumped again. So if you want to trade Ripple, go ahead and go on bitmex.com. Use my affiliate link, richardhart.win, and uh, get 10% off, and you could trade to your little heart's content. You could take, I think, 50x leverage, maybe maybe 25x leverage. You have to check that that product. And then wow. uh, if you think XRP is going to dump, if to you know buy the rumor, sell the news. But there was no rumor, so... Good luck. I don't know how to play that one. <laughs> Very unexpected. I think it's going to keep going up. It is something know, everyone was waiting for. I can see. anyway. It is it's not 2017 anymore. I mean, everything that lists on Binance just dumps pretty much, and everything that lists on Coinbase, I think, is going to dump as well. And like, so in the bear market, exchanges have been destroyed. They not only have 10 times less volume, or or more, like 20 times less volume. But the prices that that volume is trading at is also 10 times less, which is effectively like 200 times less profit for them. So when your business takes a 200x profit cut, you start listing coins anywhere you can to try and make up for it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's a reason that when coins get listed on exchange now, they, they don't seem to pump, right? Mm. Now, look, this bear market will end uh, I think it'll end after we chop around here for maybe six more months, three more months. Um, you know, we pumped, we always seem to pump in the summertime, right? So I'm okay with three or four month, six month wait, you know, super duper bull run again. That would be fine with me. Um, I'm not, I'm not into buying dips that keep dipping, right? Like if something drops 40% and then makes a new low at all ever you're not in the bull run that we're used to you're not yeah now if you look at what ethereum just did on its on its pump from the bottom it did a double and then it retraced about 40 percent and it came back up again now it's up against trend line resistance and horizontal resistance and it did a fake out over the trend line and then it died i don't know mm. you know and they got the fork coming up as well i i Anytime you've got forks in play or new listings in play, that's not sustainable. The fork happens and then the, the buy pressure is gone or the listing is, you know, accounted for and then the buy pressure is gone. And that leads to these BART shaped up and down choppy kill you if you didn't guess the range right, you know, get your stops run crap. And it's, it's just not as good a trading environment as a bull run where everyone can be a genius and you could long the top, you could long the bottom and you're still going to win. You're just going to make yeah. new all-time highs. You know, that's where you want to trade. So you don't want to blow your stack here when it's choppy. You know, um, people don't listen anyway, so they're going, to, they're going to do whatever they want anyway. If you want to know why you should conserve your capital for ideal plays, you can research what's called the Kelly Criterion, which is mathematically proven to be optimal game strategy for maximum revenue from trading. Even maximum revenue from random chance games. Hmm. I'm going to make a note of that. Yep. 
so uh, and, and just to close it off i think technical analysis works very well but in cryptocurrency there's so much liquid and so easy to move and just change things where they're expecting to that's very hard it's very easily manipulated or if, if you don't want to use that word very very easily swayed let's put it that way there's some thin markets that's, sorry there yeah. are some thin markets yeah so, so, so Richard, how was your journey, both mentally and lifestyle, on the change? How, how did this affect you, if it affected you? Nothing. Just more stress. Nothing changed. Mm. Like, didn't buy anything. Just numbers in an account. Doesn't matter. Like, giant bull run, giant bear market. My lifestyle hasn't changed at all. I just work harder. Um, so, like, when the bull run was happening, I, uh, I would chill and, you know, pump and lead the price a little bit, um, to give people uh, something to chase. Right. So mm -hmm. if, uh, if you want the price to go higher, you, and you don't want people to front run your sell position, you have to give a little bit more, <laughs> right. Or you have to give a range and hope that they don't front run your range as well. Um, and it was, it was good fun, you know, but there was, there was some bullshittery there. Like I, I did an eight hour live stream when China banned Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. That wasn't great. You know, you tell people to, you know, get long three to five K then the price decides to drop 40% from five K to three. And if people sold there, they didn't get the ride to 20, right? They just locked in their, their 40% loss. So, you know, there was, three or four, there was three 40% dips, I think. And then after China ban, and then one 30% dip. And then after 20 K, there was just like three forty fives, a 40, a 50. It was, it was pretty shitty afterwards. Um, yeah. So I've always, I've always said a lot of things that people just don't listen to or don't pay attention to. So they don't, they don't, they don't remember everything I say, cause I tend to say a lot of stuff. They just remember the stuff that they want to believe in. Right. Mm. So when I, f when I first did my first YouTube videos on crypto, I said, you know, you're going to make, I am personally going to make a lot more money launching my own token, no matter what that token is, than giving you guys free information over the internet for free. So as fun as it is to educate everyone and make you guys all smarter, I'm not making money on it. Right. Like go use my shill link. It's, it's, bullshit. Like it's not, it's not real money to me. Right. It's okay. It'll maybe do something nice one day, but it's, it's not real money. Real money to me is multiple millions of dollars. Right. If it's not going to make me multiple millions of dollars, I'm like, ugh. because that's what I'm used to. Right. Like that's what I've yeah. done so many times before. I need something that's going to scale. It needs to be bigger than the last thing I did. Right. So what do I care about? Originally, before crypto decided to do its crazy bull run, um, you know, from 1K to 20K, I was working on this book to try and save everyone's lives because hmm. my grandparents died. I didn't do anything for them. My grandparents, my parents are getting old. They're going to die. I haven't done shit for them. I'm getting pretty old. I'm going to die. I haven't done much for me, right? So at what point when everyone that you love is dying, do you decide, hey, you know, actually I can do something about this? There's this thing called medicine. We make more progress on it when it's better funded and more intelligent people work on it. So we need to generate more intelligent people, 
leech away intelligent people from things that suck, like F1 racing, right? We don't need faster cars, and the computers will do it better anyway. And they have to cripple the cars all the time anyway by restricting the arrow they can use. And just, it's stupid. Let's put the, all of that money and research into saving some fucking lives, or you'll end up like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, smart guy, rich guy, dead guy, lost the game. Could he have known that he was going to die of cancer? Yep. 40% chance you're going to die of cancer. All of us, 40% chance. But, but he did know. He did know he, uh, he had cancer. He refused to take medicine. He yeah, he fucked that up too. He fucked that up too. But he, yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't have needed to avoid surgery if they had a different cure ready for him, which he could have been working on for the 20 years before he needed that shit because what really was he doing with that money anyway? When you leave your money in a bank or in a fund, mm. it will be invested. You just have no say in how it gets invested, right? So why not spend, your, your quality of life is not gonna change, right? Like if you get a big boat, guess what? Now you're in charge of becoming a guy that knows everything about boats, right? And, that, and, and you're gonna do that once to buy one boat and then all of that effort is wasted, right? So at any time you could not learn something that just works once, you can learn something that like affects millions of people, you're gonna do way better, right? So instead of buying a boat, or buying a plane, both of which incentivize you to have more transition time, which you're not being effective during, right? Like exactly how much fun is it on the way to your boat? It's not fun, right? And how good is the food on your boat? Not as good as the food on the land, it's not. So do you like rocking all the time, right? Do you, you know, do you like thunderstorms and shit? I don't want a boat, fuck boats. Right. I don't want to plane either. Right. People are great. You can come to me. I don't need to come to you. Right. I did the traveling thing. I'm bored of it. So if you've got all this money and you're not playing with planes and you're not playing with boats, real estate's the only thing you can have. And how many houses can you stay in at a time? Right. Okay. Well then what do you need all the money for? Mm. The best television is, uh, you know, eight grand, 10 grand, the best speakers, uh, 15 grand, uh, you know, best computer, 10 grand. Well, we're not even adding up to the price of a BMW here, right? Mm. So to be extremely wealthy and to not invest in something that will prevent you from having serious pain and death and all of your loved ones and all of the humans that come after you, including kids if you have them, to not invest in that is retarded. Now, I haven't invested much in that. So I know that what I'm doing isn't, isn't optimal, which is why I was working, working on the Survive book. Because if I can get other people with more funds than I have to do what's in their best interests and create a save your ass fund, save your ass sets. Mm. So you've got green funds. If you wanna save the planet, okay, go get rich in these companies and maybe the planet will be better. Oh, you wanna invest in vices? Okay, well here's the alcohol and gambling uh, stocks. Uh, you want to invest in like education, right? There's all these different funds that have different pitches for different demographics of humans and what they like, right? Some people won't invest in longevity research or medicine. They'll just invest in poetry. Okay, well, if we can't get you for the really good stuff, fine, we'll get you for the poetry, give us the money. And then we at least get something good out of you, right? So I understand not everyone can give in the same way. Um, we need a fund that's likely to save someone like you, someone you care about, right? You're not getting malaria? Okay, well, we're not gonna get money to the malaria company that makes money on malaria. We're gonna invest in the companies that make you rich, right? Good tech startups, biotech startups. They're gonna make you rich, but they also might save your life. 
what a good idea, right? Like yeah. what the, we need that. And so for me, I want to get my token out there because it's awesome and it's really, really close to being done. Then I want to push the SciVive book and create other copies of myself, just like Bill Gates did with the, the giving pledge where he, you know, he may have the most, he might have the most money in the world, but the four guys underneath him have more. And he got those four guys on board, right? Mm. And then we get the save your ass fund. And if someone wants to do it before me, please do it, right? The world needs it. So those are my three things I care about. Yeah, I want to get back to that book and, and the, also the, your token, actually, uh, right after I ask these questions, because it's very important. I think people need to learn more about it. And I have some questions as well about it. Um, so I guess, I guess you, you already answered my, other, my, my next question. What drove you to get where you are? If you, but if you can say it in a couple of words, what's the driving factor that drives you? I'm just competitive. Are. I want to do the best I can do. And I, I'm happy to be a B student. B student is Pareto efficient. It's the best grade you can get with a minimum effort, right? Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't want to do a business as my first business that someone else hasn't already been successful with. I want to see a path already laid out. Look how rich that guy's getting. I want to do what he's doing. I'm going to do it better than him. Mm -hmm. If you try and do that other stuff where you, you oh, I'm going to go do my own idea, yeah. Because uh, because of survivorship bias, people will just remember those guys that made it, but they don't remember the thousand guys that tried the same thing, got their asses handed to them, trying to start restaurants and such, right? Right. So you should buy your freedom with your first business. Do something that isn't going to scale to the universe, but you know works because there's another guy already doing it, and you know you can do that. And then once you got your freedom, you can fool around with your vanity projects or your billion-dollar unicorn ideas or, or whatever else you want to do. So for me, yeah, it's just co competition, right? So some other guy's making more money than me. Well, he ain't smarter than me. So let's go do that, right? So if Bitcoin didn't exist, what do you see yourself doing right now? I'd just or be working on a sci-fi book right now. I'd probably have it published and be doing the Tony Robbins thing, giving events and uh, trying to get people to change their behavior to get better results out of their life. I can get you happier by changing your focus, your physiology and your habits than you can with money, right? Because you can have all the money in the world, all the love in the world. And if you don't pay attention to it, it's not real for you. So people that have all the money and love in the world die all the time. Heath Ledger, Michael Jackson, m musicians out the yin yang. They could have dinner with 100,000 people. They pay for the privilege of even hanging out with them. But to them, they don't feel it. They don't see it, right? So, you know, it, if, if all the money and all the power and all the effort that you put in doesn't have lasting value and, and doesn't give you a longer health span, what are you doing? You know, like orgasms only get so good. Food only gets so good. So what's left? Let's make the game last longer, right? You, you don't want your heart to fail, right? Okay, well, maybe you should work on that. You know, it's called science. You invest in it 20 years early, and then, boom, it's ready when you need it. Got you. Let's talk about success. What does success mean to you? Huh. Well, it's, it's not an answerable question. So I'm going to have to unpack the suitcase. Success to a human is based on what their values are, right? So me, mm -hmm. I already did the traveling thing. I don't value adventure. I don't care. I've done it, right? I've, I've lived in South Florida long enough to have enough adventurous situations. I don't need that shit anymore, right? Uh, 
So for someone else that loves adventure, you know, climbing Mount Everest would be great and skydiving would be great. That's not for me. Right. Um, so, so for me, if I were to say what would make me emotionally successful, it would be to have a higher average, uh, approval of myself because I know that I'm not living up to my abilities often. Right. Oh, wow. It's amazing. You said that actually. Yeah. And then, so, so if I were focusing on my emotions and trying to like improve my quality of life, I'd be doing habits in the morning. So like I started lifting weights every single day and it was working great until I got golfer's elbow and I've had to stop for a month now and it still hurts. So it's like at some point I'd like to start lifting again, you know? Um, now there's a lot of other parts in your body that don't use your arms. I could be working those, but I'm not, right? Because I got into the habit of doing this one thing, and I didn't get in the habit of doing the other thing. So it's really all about your habits. So if you want to have emotional fitness, just like you had physical fitness, you need to get into the habit of having a positive focus, using positive language, and uh, having your positive physiology, right? Chin up, shoulders back, deep breaths. It, it That will get you. that little bit of stuff right there will get you a higher quality of life than all the money relationships, all that stuff, because the money and the relationships and all that stuff only affects you positively. If it affects those things, if those things don't affect these things, you won't feel those things, right? It's mm. got to affect your focus. It's got to affect your physiology. It's got to affect your, your habits of focus. So if I were focused on emotions, I'd be focused on that pattern. Like, Let's 30 minutes in the morning, let's lift weights and then let's close our eyes and think about stuff we're grateful for, right? Now it sounds, it sounds simple and it is simple, but building that new habit, it's just as hard as building any other habit, right? It, it's something you have to force it and fake it until you make it and then it just keeps going on its own. Now, I'm not focused on my emotions. I don't really care about them that much. I'm focused on getting my project finished and out the door mm. and audited and top three and then top one, right? I'm not, I'm not happy with Bitcoin's adoption. I think 4 million users is garbage. It has actually much less than 4 million users. If every user had one address uh, over $100, then there'd be 4 million users. But since people have more than one address, right? You've got what, maybe 2 million users, 1 million users, right? And then you can say, oh, well, there's all these people in exchanges. Yeah, well, they're not using Bitcoin. If you don't have a Bitcoin address, you're not using Bitcoin. If you are using an exchange and the exchange is using Bitcoin, they're using Bitcoin, not you, right? And when they lose all your money, you're gonna be like, oh, oh, Bitcoin was meant to get rid of the middlemen. Oh, oops. Yeah, Bitcoin was made to get rid of the middlemen, not add them, right? So now, now the state of crypto is you have a middleman with the, is an exchange, and then the value that you're holding there is another middleman coin, which is fake dollars, and then that middleman that issues those has another bank that they have to cycle through every once in a while when they lose their account, right? All of those middlemen are the opposite of what crypto was designed for, the absolute opposite, right? Why would you put three parties between you and a bank account when you could just have a bank account in dollars and, mm. and actually have legal remedy, right? And not have to fly to a weird country and it's like, what? Retarded. Um, so... If, if I wasn't, if I wasn't focused on, if I'm, <clears throat> I'm not focused on my emotions, I'm focused on getting my project done. So right now it's, uh, getting to audit, getting the show links out there, 20% if you refer people, um, that's a lot, 
So if you're a wallet and you make a small portion of fees on the small portion of fees people pay, that's like a crappy times a crappy of a crappy. That's terrible, mm. right? So if, an, if a wallet or an exchange promotes my free airdrop token, that amount they can make on that 20% referral that the uh, currency inflates to pay them could be more than they ever made on any of their business ever, including their Changely links and their Shapeshift links and whatever ads they might've had, which I don't even think that's part of most of these companies' revenue models. Uh, it's a no-brainer, right? So once we get an audit, I'm gonna start cold calling every wallet, every exchange, and see what type of synergy we can find um, because I think that there's millions of dollars to be made on giving away free money to their customers. Pretty easy sell. Of course. So let me ask you this now. Do you think anyone can become successful in life? Sure. Yeah. So, How you know. Good. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, su success is subjective. So for some people, success is I woke up and my feet are on the floor. Man, this is awesome. And for other people, success is I need to have less than 8% body fat and all of my kids need to be doing great and my sports team needs to be winning and I need to be hitting uh, personal records at the gym. And if all of those things don't happen, then I'm not happy. Now, which one of those two people do you think has like lower cortisol levels and has better smile on their face, right? And is maybe nicer to the people around them? Probably the guy that's a little bit more chill with himself, right? Um, so success is entirely subjective. Now, I would like to say that if you're a hippie or a monk and you've opted out of progress to the detriment of all of those around you and you leave the world not any better than you found it, you are a loser and you should stop being a loser. So mm. there's some people that you know aren't comfortable being your guru and telling you what better and worse looks like. I'm not that cowardly, right? They're cowardly because they can make more money off of more demographics by not alienating any of them. Mm. Since I'm not in that business yet, I don't mind alienating some people. Don't be a loser, be productive, leave the world better than you found it, right? And if you're, if you're getting stoned all the time or, or doing the journey inward all the time, you ain't helping nobody. Not even yourself. Um, what, how about being successful in crypto? Do you think anyone can do that? Whether it's trading, ICOs, because there's different things you can get involved in crypto. So ICOs are in general terrible ideas because you have minimum rights as an investor with mm -hmm. no checkpointing, which means they get paid upfront everything. And then their optimal, the optimal outcome for the person doing the ICO is to just start another ICO because they got paid in full already. So it's so the, the wrong businesses with no product market fit, no adoption, done by the wrong people at the wrong valuation with the worst deal for the people purchasing it with no liquidity, like it's just horrible. And like every, every single thing is garbage. Now, there was maybe I, one or two. I actually worked with some ICOs and uh, I've got stories about that later yeah. on. Yeah, there's <laughs> maybe one or two successful ICOs. I, I can really yeah. only think of one. Um, so I'm not, I'm not partial to that model. I think I could launch a successful ICO that fixed some of the problems. Mm -hmm. And with all of the crap that I've eaten from the public giving away a free coin, I'm probably going to do an ICO if I do another token because I'd rather get paid up front 100% 
and they get a cut of the coin after, then, uh, then what's going on now? Where it's like, uh, if you give people something free, they, they're like, oh, you know, evil, horrible. Like, all right, evil and horrible, okay. You know, the guys, the guys that bought the EOS ICO, even in the bear market of all bear markets, the longest bear market crypto has had, they're still cash positive over the ICO price. So exactly how That's unhappy are all the speculators in that deal? And they got People like a- will always defend their position and they will never take free advice. Yeah, it's just, it's a low percentage. It's a low percentage. So I, I, you know, I I started to appreciate the ICO model when you just look at how well it is from the person launching its perspective. You get paid in full 100% and then you take a cut of the coins too. Mm -hmm. Okay, well that's better than just taking a cut of the coins, isn't it? Um, so doing well in crypto. So I wouldn't I wouldn't focus on the ICO thing um, if you want to do well. The odds are stacked against you unless you're launching one and then the odds are stacked against you still because the market died. There's no, nobody's interested in getting wrecked. You know, everyone got, everyone held their ICO down 95% and then watched it get delisted. So when you hold it from like 10, 20 times higher than it is, and then watch it get delisted, <laughs> like there's like what worse could happen to you in crypto, right? Other than just like losing all your coins. Um, losing all your coins value is similar to losing all of your coins. The only difference is that if you still have your coins, maybe they'll go up again one day, maybe. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't focus on ICOs. As far as trading goes, the skill cap is very high. If you want to use my shill link, richardhart.win, enjoy your 10% off. If you need a VPN and you need to be from another country, there's a link for that in my trading group, t.me forward slash strape or strape charts. You can also check out my price calls at Richard's calls, t.me forward slash. And, uh, you know, if we're at the at the bottom of a bear market or near, you could dollar cost average from here down to 800. Maybe we never get to 800. Maybe we never get to 1200. Maybe we never get to 2500, right? But you're just gonna have very limited exposure. And if we do dip into the Suckville, you're gonna have a lower cost average that you bought in at, right? And then if time keeps passing and those orders aren't getting hit and you see us do a, a golden cross on the 5200 daily moving average, then you can just move your bids up, right? Or, you know, FOMO a 30% dip or 40% dip once dips tend to stop dipping, right? So I think, I think that a lot of fortunes will be made buying the bottom of this bear market or near it. I just, uh, looking at the chart, the bottoms of bear markets aren't V bottoms. They're like a capitulation V bottom followed by some choppy crap revisiting about 10% off of that V bottom and then bull forever. And that's mm -hmm. what we did in 2014. <clears throat> Might've been 2015, whatever the last bottom of the last bear was probably 2014. So if, if you want to buy that, you want a dollar cost average in do it. If you want to FOMO and take some leverage on a 30 or 40% dip and have a tight stop loss so that you're out at 45% dip seems viable. Uh, if you want to play breakout trading, you're gonna get wrecked. The Bart Simpsons are gonna run your stops all day long. You're you're going to get your ass handed to you. If you want to do uh, market making and guess the range and just selling the way up and buying the way down, we still do have enough volatility to play that game. Um, but if it jumps out of your range that you guessed, now you've got to rebuy your inventory at a higher price, mm -hmm. and you might have been better off just holding spot. So. 
I think I think you're much better off getting free Bitcoin hacks and staking it and getting a 3x to 10x more coins just from all the bonus from being staked for the first year of the claim phase. You're more likely to get a higher percentage gain on that than anything else you could possibly do because your risk is nothing. You're getting the coins for free. And even if your risk wasn't nothing and you're actually buying them, you're buying them before they're traded anywhere. You're buying them like before mass hype. Like you just, if you get into a token early, you can get a thousand X. But if you're buying someone else's bags that are already up a thousand X, right? So like my $30 bag of Bitcoin that you bought at uh, 2,500, yeah. you, know, you, you bought what? 10 X higher than I did more a hundred X higher. So you bought my hundred X bag. Thanks bro. Then like the guys that bought 20 K bought my like what 700 X bag or something. So like it's, why not just be the guy that gets in early and makes all the money is my opinion on it. You know, Ethereum guys made more money quicker than Bitcoin guys did. And EOS guys made more money quicker than Ethereum guys did. Well, I want the Bitcoin hex guys to make more money quicker than any of those guys did. Why? Because right. we got better game theory and you're getting the coin at zero. Did you get any of those other coins at zero? No, no brainer. Okay. Richard, have you ever failed in life and how oh, do you handle time. failure? Well, I, I own up to it. I take it very seriously and I say I was wrong and here's how I was wrong. And then I hope everyone forgets as quickly as possible. <laughs> so if you, right, if you're going to be wrong and you're trying to like dance around it, like you weren't really long, that's going to be a long conversation, right? But if you just admit it and eat it, then everyone's like, all right, we know we got you. You're like, yeah, you got me. All right. And then you move on with your life. Right? So, you know, I, I said a lot of bad things about Ethereum that were technically accurate, but price wise, it pumped higher and faster. So speculatively, if you, if you extended the technical analysis, the, the technical, the fundamental analysis of the coin, if you extended the fundamental analysis of the technical aspects of the coin and you applied that to price, you lost a lot of opportunity, right? Mm. So, you know, I didn't know that the altcoins were what was pumping Bitcoin. I didn't understand that. I thought they were competitors. Mm. Turns out they're not. They all pump together and dump together. Oh, okay. Well, that's important to know, ain't it? If you want to be a speculator. Uh, what else? I wasn't I, as firm a believer in buying the rumor and selling the news. And then after watching us dump the day CME launched and never go close to it ever again, you're like, oh, that was like the biggest news event ever. And gold did the same thing when it launched 30 years ago. And I knew that. So like, hmm. <laughs> Why did I but when you're used to, that? when you're used to bull flags for a year and you don't know of yeah. anything else, but a bull flag, you, you get, you get decentered, right? You, you have to zoom out. You have to force yourself to zoom out to be like, Hey, you know, those times those can happen too. Right. And you have to know when that's going to occur. So I, I played it pretty well, but I, I think, I think I could have played it better. Right. And, and, and that's, that's crypto for everybody. Who yeah. do you know that played crypto optimally, which is why I'm proud about my new project. Cause I think it's optimal in a ton of ways, but you know, if you owned Bitcoin instead of an altcoin that pumped higher and faster, was that optimal? Mm. Mm, 
depends on when you got out, right? So if you, if you got out when Ethereum peaked, you did better than having Bitcoin. But if you held it now when it's dropped farther, you did worse. And, and that's the thing about price calls. You can't just tell someone that a price is going to go up or down. It's useless. You have to tell them when to get in, when to get out, right? I need an entry, I need a stop, and I need a direction, right? But with and a time. If I don't have an entry, a stop, a time, and a direction, you don't actually have trading advice, right? Like, because you can be right and wrong. The price can go up and down, and then you're both right, and because it did both things. By the way, if you're watching this on the live stream, we're going to be answering your questions after I ask a few more questions for Richard for the book, The Crypto Factor Part 2. And don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. Um, Richard, do you think mentors are important and do you have any? Mm, I think taking advice is important. The problem with the, the idea of mentor is that it humanizes advice. Advice need not come from a human. A, mm. a terribly drunk, stupid, broke, smelly man could give you good advice laying on the street. And you would be unwise to ignore that advice. So it's, it's getting good advice is what matters. Now, so my, here's my problem with mentors, right? Mentor assumes a one-to-one -one relationship. And I can tell you having met great men, that their books are better than they are always. And that includes me. If you like me and what I have to say, you'll like my book better because my book remembers everything I know. I don't remember everything I know. I just remember what kind of pops up in conversation, right? So my book is better than I am. And Tony Robbins book is better than he is. And everyone's book is better than they are. And so would you rather have the mentor, the man or the book? Most people, because they're touchy feely types would tell you they'd rather have the man because they think it's better. I can tell you it's not, it's not better. The book is better than the man. So what you need is good advice from good books written by good men. Um, you don't need the men. The men are mm. totally optional. So do you put, read books? Obviously. I've read like all the self-help books. <laughs> I'm not Including a fiction mine? guy. Huh? Including mine. <laughs> I haven't read that one yet. Yeah, um, because like once you've written, so I wrote a book too. It's called Sci-Vive and it's uh, God, 500,000 words or some some giant number of words, right? It's like two books. It's pretty big. And uh, it's basically every good thing I know, right? It's like you want to know how to dress, you want to know how to get laid, you want to know how to hire people, fire people, what business you should go into, you want to learn about religion, the meaning of life, everything. It's all there, right? It needs to be like seven books really. <laughs> And it needs edited because it's an outline of commandments, basically. It's like, this works, this doesn't work. It doesn't have the narrative glue in it that people want out of their books. But if you're smart, that narrative glue is just in the way. You just need to know what to do. So many books out there that are good books can be condensed into two line items. Do this instead of that, right? But they fill them up with fluff to have something to sell you, right? The narrative story and all that shit. And it's, you know, it's, I guess, fun to read or whatever. But if you, if you just care about getting better performance out of your life, you just need to know the thing to do. You don't need to know how some other guy did it 50 years ago and all this other crap. Um, so it's hard for me to want to read new books because I know I have to finish my own. I already know too much, far, far too much. I need to do more of what I know. It's just, it's like, what's more important to a person? 
that I give you new knowledge that you won't use, that you can add to your list of stuff that you should do, but you don't. Well, that just adds more pain. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. People don't need more education. They need more motivation. They need to use what they already know. If you don't have a six pack and a good relationship with your family and a business that makes money while you sleep, you know you should have those things. And you know how to get them. So do you need more books? No, you need to do what you already know you should do, right? So most of, most of what human beings need is to move around more, eat less. Obviously, I'm not doing that right, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> it, because it's a habit you got to build, right? So I'm the strongest I've ever been, and that's fabulous, but I'm not the skinniest I've ever been, right? So I just need to rotate that in. And if you're a stress eater and you got a token that's slightly behind schedule, man. Uh, I'm a stress eater. I know exactly <laughs> how you feel, Richard. Exactly. Yeah. Who's your favorite author in self-help, by the way? I think Tony Robbins is really good. I think 80 to 90% of his stuff is, is really on point. Um, mm. I don't, his money stuff is whatever. Uh, some of his health stuff's whatever, like alkalinity and uh, kinesthetic. Like you can tell when someone's lying because you can push against them and they get weak. Mm -hmm. I can, I've tested it both ways, right? Because I've done all of his stuff and been to his island and, you know, uh, done neurolinguistic master practitioner training and I've done all the trainer stuff, right? So I've trained to be a trainer. Um, I could frame it so that you get stronger when you tell a lie. And if that's the frame I give you, then that's how your body will respond to It's not really that the lying makes you weaker. It's that whatever frame I inserted and tied it to the lying, you'll just execute that pretty much in my experience. Um, yeah, I mean, how to win friends and influence people is great. Uh, Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Any anything that you see that reviews well, that is perhaps less biblical, probably pretty good, you know. Um, and in the end, none of it matters, except are you moving around more? Are you eating less? Are you employing the things that you know? Right. Like, oh, you read a book on marketing. Okay. Well, what are you selling? You don't sell anything, then. What are you doing with the book? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like you got to find something to sell. So you put the cart before the horse a little bit, you know, um, it's, it's good stuff, right? If you're going to be immersed in something and it's going to be a hobby, you know, I think personal development's a, a good hobby to have. I mean, it's better than blowing a decade on video games. I'll tell you that. It's better than playing Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Do you have any daily habits and more than daily habits and morning rituals? Well, it used to be uh, deadlift, bench press, and chin-ups every day. Uh, and now, because my elbows are screwed, basically do none of it. But I think in two weeks, I'll probably be able to start again. I got like uh, some wrist compression things or forearm compression things that should help. And I know how to not curl my uh, arms when I'm doing my chin-ups and mm. uh, tuck my arms in when I'm doing the bench. I think I'll just start with uh, maybe weighted push-ups. So that... I was doing perfectly. Cut out drinking, haven't drank since August of last year. Cut out caffeine, haven't had any of that since November of last year. Um, I would like to implement that emotional, what are you grateful for? Why are you grateful for it? Who do you love? Who loves you? Um, you know, positive aspect would take some of the edge off. Because when people see my interviews, they, they say I'm not that cheerful. 
but I, I, I think I'm cheerful. You're great. They're like, uh, they think I'm a hard ass. I'm like, oh, well, maybe, maybe I'm a hard ass. I don't know. So I wouldn't mind being a little bit more cheerful and such, I guess. Um, and yeah, no other, no other morning habits really. I mean, check Twitter and I got 50,000 followers on Twitter that I like to irritate with posts that aren't crypto related, bother them, you know? See how see how far I can push them before they unsubscribe. Today I posted like twenty Bitcoin hex memes and people were like begging, like, why did you do this to my feed? I'm like, man, I can't sit on them. They're awesome. Okay. So what is the one characteristic that people that your loved ones know you by? Ooh. Um being not nice, I guess. Hmm. Or not giving up would be another one. Yeah, so I don't give up and mm. I don't take shit. I guess that's it, I think. Okay. Mm. That's what a rough that's that a hard question. What about people that don't like you? Oh, arrogant, conceited, uh what else? Anything in that genre? Right. Of like detached, self-absorbed, uh, you know, okay. Prince, Prince Farquaad or King Farquaad from Shrek or whatever, that kind of thing. Gotcha. He's got a better jawline. Okay. What does a typical day look like for you? Oh, uh, stay up too late. Mm -hmm. Answer everyone's objections that anyone has about my project across all social media platforms. That's Reddit. We have our own Reddit. YouTube got 38k subs there. The comments are always fabulous. YouTube comments. Woo! I can't wait to see what we get this time. Uh, <laughs> Twitter, and I've got like 10 Telegram channels. Maybe like. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So there's Bitcoin hacks, Bitcoin hacks memes, Bitcoin hacks news, Strape, which has 6,000 users. Uh, Strape charts. Then SciVive. You can download my books for free. Enjoy. They're, they're not real books yet. They're outlines, but that might be better for you. Go and enjoy. Full mm -hmm. of gold nuggets. Um, Richard's calls, price calls. So, you know, maybe I'll post a technical analysis or two, a little bit of fundamental analysis, you know, every day, every other day. And then, uh, you know, news will come out, like XRP just got released. So then I got to release that to my calls channel first and then forward it to Strape and Strape Charts. And then after I do all that, then I'll tweet it, you know, and then people are like already hitting me up in chat. Like, what's that criterion you were talking about? The Kelly criterion, you know, I gotta, now, I, now here's the funny thing. Like I shouldn't be doing any of that. <laughs> like I'm doing it because it's, it's instantly rewarding. Right. So I know I get likes and retweets and win arguments off the bat. Right. It's great. But in a year, how many of those tweets are going to be read again? It's not evergreen content. It's a, it's really a waste of my cognitive capacity. So what I'm trying to do is wean myself off of the, the, the dopamine drip of instant gratification and into just evergreen stuff. So like today I was auditing our smart contract myself because I have a brain. Now I may not know what some of these functions do or what some of this, uh, characters do, right? but I can see logic flaws when I find them, right? 
So I know what mathematical operators are using and I know what things we're trying to target. So like today I noticed that something was off by one, which is a pretty common error that you find in software. So I caught an error today. I caught a bug today personally. I feel good about that. Now I offered my chat the same opportunity, 2,000 people just in Bitcoin Hex chat. They didn't find any bugs. So I beat their ass today. 2,000 people had the chance to find a bug in a thing that they want to get rich on. And I found it for them because I'm working harder or smarter or whatever, right? So I'm proud of myself today because I did the hard work, the work no one else wants to do and am engaged in something that I barely understand, right? So if, if I can go and look at Solidity code and find bugs just because I'm a smart dude, anyone can, right? And if you see characters you don't understand what they are, just Google it, you'll get the result, yeah. right? And then after you do that for a while, now you're a developer because you know what's written there in front of you, right? So, and since I read Hacker News, I forgot, I, I read Hacker News every day. You ask for daily habits. If you read the first uh, 100 links on Hacker News for a decade, you're going to know a lot about software. <laughs> so I know a lot about software. Um, it's just, it's different knowing about what's fun to talk about, which is what shows up in social media, versus the grunt work of stuff nobody wants to talk about because everyone already knows it. Right, so you mm. need that part too. Like what? Like what's an array? Like how do you store data in a struct in Solidity? If you don't know that and you can't store data, your contract's gonna suck, right? Because what, what's the only two things you can do with computing? Store data and perform functions on it. And that's it, right? So if you don't know how to store data, you're not gonna have a good contract. <clears throat> okay, so do you have time for hobbies? And if yes, what are they? I got, I got all the time that I want. Um, I used to go out a lot, I used to go out every night to nightclubs and have fun and meet people. It's okay. Um, I'm not focused on that now. I'm, I'm focused on things that have more lasting value. Uh, other hobbies. I like music. I don't know how to play it, but it sounds real nice. Uh, classical music, drum and bass music, classic rock, pop, rap, you name it. I like it. Um, hobbies. I have a dog. I love my dog. Got a little chihuahua. Oh, that's cute. Uh, I got like ten thousand dollar keyboards. The problem with keyboards is once you reach your like end game, you won't use any of your other boards again. So now I've got forty extra keyboards that I'm not gonna use ever. And then I built a lot of them, so it's like uh, I don't know. Probably need to do a giveaway and give all those away, probably. Be smart. That would be cool. Yeah. I guess that's it. I mean, I used to play way too many video games, so I played Team Fortress 2 and Destiny and Chess and StarCraft 2. I guess that's the only ones I can remember off the top of my head. I mean, Wolfenstein, back when it was... Wolfenstein Enemy Territory was awesome way back when. And Daisy. Daisy Mod. Not the newest game, which is absolute garbage. Got you. you. Should jump on a game of chess with me one day. I don't know, man. I'm only like a 1270 or something, so I'm not that good at it. Okay. Where do you think this market is going? Where do you think that the crypto market in general? Um. Well, I think ICOs are going to be dead for a while. Um. I think. I think that 
a bottom will be found either at 2800 or 1200 or 900 roundabout mm -hmm. 2800 is an 86% repeat from the top of what we did the last bear market or we could revisit the previous peak 1200 or we could overshoot under it by 30% which we also did last bear market uh, which would put us like 800 850 whatever mm. either three of those would play for me technically or we could chop around here for a while 200 day moving average is going to keep coming down to us and at some point it's going to be easy for our 50 to hop over the 200 and if the price is near it when that happens we yeah. should go bull run um, for a few years a few years of bull run now in that environment um, if you're holding bitcoin you're not going to make as much as if you're holding a low cap coin you're just mm. not so you know shitty projects that suck are probably going to outperform Bitcoin's returns because it just has too much economic mass. So, so even, let me bridge that into my next question, if that's okay. What sure. do you, th what should we be looking out for? 50 to two, 50 day moving average over 200 day moving average cross. It's called a golden cross. It's yeah. nice. Uh, hitting those three price points that I told you about with a capitulation wick. Now capitulation wick means big red wick down and then hard rejection off the bottom back up and not visiting it again. That's capitulation. If mm. you have days to buy that wick, that's not capitulation. That's consolidation. That was so, my mistake as well, by the way. All right. I, I, I learned that after. Yeah. So I believe in the capitulation wick and I think that crypto can and always will get dirty, nasty, that feeling where eh, maybe we never have another bull run. Maybe it's over, right? Don't you think a lot of people have already had this feeling? I really I don't. Like I really don't. I don't think they have. Now, I like how many people did we lose? Like we lost Parabolic Trav. We lost, like, I don't know, man. I see a lot of the same faces and I see crypto a lot of shit coins with high prices. Crypto Hedge, Crypto, uh, crypto Spark. Yeah, like I just, I, I don't think that uh, maximum pain has been found at all, you know, like I, I don't, I mean, I, so I guess the, so let's see if we can prove that. Let's make a falsifiable thesis. Mm -hmm. Is there a state in which I would feel that maximum pain had occurred? Suicide hop lines are good to see those posts. That means there's some real deal capitulation. Um, Hmm. You want to see really low user counts in the trading chat rooms because everyone's wrecked and gone home. They can't play anymore. So you want low user counts in the chat rooms. You want V bottom capitulation. You want suicide hotline. Some FUD would be nice. So we're making like lower lows and lower highs on good news. On good no news. FUD. Good news, right? So we're, yeah. our price is getting shit on on good news, which makes you wonder like, well, what happened if we got bad news? Um, and then if, you know, if the price doesn't go down when bad news happens, then it's like, all right, maybe, maybe we really are near the bottom, right? Yeah. Um, I, what's what everyone that's a maximalist that hates altcoins, they don't understand that altcoins are the only thing worth a shit that you can buy with Bitcoin other than the U S dollar. 
There's no other reason to buy it at all. The only reason you ever need to buy Bitcoin is if you're buying a little bit of drugs on the dark net and you should be using Monero anyway. But it, like how much drugs can people possibly buy in relationship to the multi-hundred billion dollar market cap? Nothing. There's not enough weekends in the year for you to use enough drugs to come anywhere near close to that market cap, right? Which means that the only thing you can really buy with Bitcoin is dollars or altcoins. So when everyone demonizes altcoins and says that they're shit and says that they're terrible, they're destroying the only use case Bitcoin currently has as a utility token for BitMEX, use my show link, Richard Hart.win, or buying altcoins that you're also using as a roulette wheel for speculation to hope that you get the next thousand X, right? Mm. Because fuck 10 X. I don't want to wait 10 X. Why wait? These other guys are getting it faster. I want to get it faster, right? They did it. I want it. I want what they got. So, um, I, I think we chop around here for three to six months, break the 50 over 200, do the super duper epic bull run. That's my prediction. I don't think Bitcoin's going to get anonymity ever. I don't think it's going to get confidential transactions. I don't think it's going to get anything cool that you want in it because it's too risky for exchanges. So an exchange that doesn't want to sell an anonymity coin because one, they don't do that much volume and two, oh, it funded terrorism and oh, it funded Nazis and all this shit. They don't want any of that. They don't want that. Well, how can they avoid that? By eyeballing everyone's transactions and buying tracking companies like Coinbase just did. They bought a chain analysis company, right? And they'll ban your account after you've got the money from them and spent it. So if they see that you got Bitcoin from them and spent it someplace they don't like, they'll ban your account. Hmm. Why? So they can keep their bank accounts so they can stay in business, right? They have to really, really defend the only one or two bank accounts that will deal with them. There's only one or two banks that are happy to deal with a crypto company in the States, right? There's maybe not that many globally. So you've got to, you've got to treat them, you've got to baby them, right? And if you've got to drop a lot of clients unfairly to defend your bank accounts, it's a smart thing to do. So do you think that these large entities that are trying to protect their one or two bank accounts are going to be happy to watch Bitcoin roll in anonymity? Nope, they're not, right? So SegWit, which we had to lie and cheat and steal to get by saying we'd allow two megabyte blocks, just give us the SegWit first. And then we got the SegWit, and then we're like, ah, just kidding. We ain't getting those two megabyte blocks, dude. You got tricked. Miners aren't going to fall for that again, right? Mm. And that was a non-controversial change. It just made more efficient the use of the space we already had. Didn't introduce any new features at all. Didn't introduce anonymity. Um, like, it was just a transaction throughput increase with some transaction malleability fixes, which no one knows what that means. So I'm not going to explain it. But it just, just became faster, though, right? Well, not faster, larger. So latency was the same. Um, mm, got you. So you could just do larger mass, you know, because it utilized the space more efficiently. And it slightly increases block size. Like you can see blocks, I think, that are 1.2 megabyte. But in the old days, they would just be one megabyte. So it gave us like maybe 20% extra block size and more efficiently used the size that we had. So my point is, if we had to lie, cheat, and steal to get a non-controversial change in, what are the chances you get an actual controversial change in? They're zero. Um, unless someone can show me why they're not, right? Like, why would they not give a SegWit without lying and cheating and stealing? But now they're going to give us something controversial. I don't, I don't think it's going to occur. So 
that's fine. Like Bitcoin as digital gold seems to work as it is. It, it doesn't really need to, to do anything extra. And with SegWit, we got Lightning. And with Lightning, you know, there's a whole new use case of adoption. But here's the problem with Lightning that apparently no one gets. If Lightning does really good things for Bitcoin, it will do really good things for all the other coins too. Because Ethereum has Lightning, it's called Raiden, and it also has state channels, and it also has Plasma. And there's a whole lot of Lightning-esque same crap in that system and probably other systems as well. So if Lightning is coming to save Bitcoin's day, it's coming to save Ethereum's day too. So, you know, if you if you want to just talk about cool technology, we can talk about lightning. But if you want to talk about my coin's going to pump harder than some other coin, eh, I don't like lightning's really doing much for you because it works on all the major coins if they want to integrate it, you know. It's open okay, source I've software. More... I'll talk okay. until you run out of energy. Like I will talk until you die. So <laughs> I've done 8 hours straight. Oh, I don't I mind. got two more questions. Two more questions for the book. And then I'd love to talk about it. And I'd, okay. I'd also like to um, put my opinion in it as well. And then we can have a discussion, get people involved in the All chat. Right. If anyone's asking, share some people have some questions. Um, so all that aside, do you think crypto will succeed and why? Well, it's already succeeded. Bitcoin started 10 years ago, less than z like at $0. You couldn't possibly pay for it. It had no price. Then it got a couple people decided to trade a bunch of Bitcoins, like 20,000 of them for a pizza or two. And then uh, now it went up to a $300 billion market cap in the end of 2017. Mm. So in the journey from nothing to 300 billion and being listed on the CME, the largest market that the world has ever known and inventing a whole new industry of peer to peer digital, uh, finance without middlemen it's pretty amazing that's a huge success and a lot of people made a lot of money on that now in my opinion the adoption is pitiful you know my old business that i started myself had over three hundred thousand users just because i started it and i did it right and their average ticket was higher than this hundred dollars that only four million bitcoin wallets have right and it's been around for 10 years and it's only got less than 4 million users, that's pitiful. And I believe the reason for that is that there's no, there's no advertising budget, there's no ads. And the reason there's no ads is because it's too decentralized. Decentralization is wonderful for censorship resistance and terrible for everything else. So when someone has a dot-com website that tries to sell fake Bitcoin as though it were real Bitcoin, does Bitcoin sue them? Nope, because Bitcoin can't sue anyone. Because Bitcoin, MIT licensed their everything. So who's, who's got legal standing to bring suit for violation? Bitcoin doesn't because they wanted to be censorship resistance. So now they're getting their ass kicked and don't even own their own .com. Gee, what a, what a good idea. I'm going to start a new project and not even get the .com. Retarded, right? Now... There could be a very rare exception that you don't lock up the .com, which is these days they're very expensive to get a premium, premium .com, right? So maybe if you want to save a million dollars and put it into development instead, maybe it's a better deal, right? But back then, there really wasn't an excuse for that. Um, it would have been better off calling it something else, right? Um, 
So what do you need in order to get advertisements for your currency? Well, ICOs had ads. Why could they afford to do that? Because they had high margin. Well, why'd they have high margin? Because they owned large portions of the currency. So when they brought on new users, they could be cash positive doing it. Now, let's say I want to onboard a new Bitcoin user and I pay $20 to bring a new Bitcoin guy on and he spends $100 buying Bitcoin. How much does my Bitcoin that I own go up in price? Nothing. So all I did was lose $20. That's the tragedy of the commons. No one in Bitcoin can afford to advertise Bitcoin because no one owns enough of it to make any money. So what does it do? It gets his ass kicked by other coins that have marketing budgets because there's a shareholder in there, a stakeholder in there that owns enough that he can be cash positive bringing new users on. He can bring in $100 of a new user and sell $120 a coin, right? And then, or then he has $20 left to bring on more new users, right? So if you're, if you're not cash positive bringing on new users, you can't have a pump that keeps bringing in new users. You need profitability. Until someone can, Richard. Until someone can? Yeah. yeah. Money flows to a few pockets. Like it, whether people like to hear this or not, people are gonna hate me for it. When you give money to everyone, it will flow into a few pockets. Once mm -hmm. it flows into those few pockets, they will have the budget to advertise it. Mm, it's counterintuitive, but I, but I disagree with the premise. So I, I agree with what you said in that if you distribute evenly all of the world's money, the rich people will get re-rich again and the poor people will get re-poor again because mm -hmm. they're just executing the same behaviors that got them to the state they were in. And then when you change your balances, they're still doing the same behaviors, they get the same results. So I agree with that. The difference is when you have a giant bag of US dollars, you do not have a giant bag of Bitcoin. So the number of entities that hold Bitcoin instead of dollars is not that many. Like BitMEX has 20,000 coins in their insurance fund. Exactly. But Coinbase, I don't think that they stock a huge pile of crypto to be exposed to that risk to lose 86% of the value from 20K down to 3K. And if you do play that game where you don't sit on cash as a business, you sit on crypto, then you get fucking destroyed like Bitmain. Because why Bitmain- you, Why can't you sit on both? Look at, look at that, what is that company? Grayscale or whatever it's called. I yeah. can't remember the name right now. They yeah, own 1% of the Bitcoin. Sooner or later, own 10%. Uh, depends on what the Bitcoin whatever. price does. If the Bitcoin price keeps going up, they're likely to own less percent of it. So, I mean- It will go down again. In it ten, will go up, it will go down, cycles. I and don't think Grayscale has a sustainable business model, really. They just sell a peer-to-peer -peer currency with markup because of regulatory okay. arbitrage, because it's hard to invest in, right? But as other institutions allow you to get exposure to the asset with lower fees, why would you give GBTC a percent or 2% or 3% override on top of already paying an overinflated price. So you're paying fees and an overinflated price when you could just buy it from CME directly or from backed or from uh, like, a, like, you know, so I, I don't think they have a sustainable business model. If you, if you look at the largest wallets, they don't tend to get larger. And if they do, you run the risk of being destroyed like Bitmain. So Bitmain, said, hey, we're gonna build a better Bitcoin. We're gonna call it Bitcoin Cash. 
and we're going to steal all the miners from real Bitcoin, and they're going to come buying Bitcoin Cash, and we're teamed up with Bitcoin.com. So we're going to destroy old Bitcoin, and we're going to control the developers, and we're going to have our ASIC boost in there, giving our miners a competitive advantage, and you know everything's going to be fabulous. And so they did their Bitcoin Cash thing, and they got fucking destroyed. They got annihilated. Because instead of being down 86% or 85% like Bitcoin was, they dropped 95, 98% versus the dollar, right? Because their bet didn't work. And that's the risk that you run as a company that has US dollar costs and US dollar revenue, but has this giant crypto exposure for no particular reason, totally unrelated to the business. There's absolutely no reason for Bitmain to have had large cryptocurrency exposure. It didn't help their core offering whatsoever and it destroyed them. So now Jihan Wu doesn't, isn't CEO anymore. And apparently he's going to go do his own startup now. Uh, but, I hope he fails entirely. Um, but Richard, that's not what I meant. Um, okay, we're going to get back into this question as well. Again, uh, I, one last question. Okay, what's the one question you wish people asked you, but seldom do? Um, hmm. I like. I like helping people get their goals and if they tell me their goals then I can help them reach them but if they don't know their goals and they don't ask me how to get there then I can't use my creativity and experience to to formulate a plan for them you know so I wish I wish more people would ask me like hey you know I'm trying to do this what should I do and I have a good idea it only takes a minute for me to tell it to you you know if I don't I'll just tell you I don't but I usually do great answer Okay, for those of you watching right now, go ahead and click that like button. If you haven't subscribed to Rich's channel, go ahead and subscribe down below. We're going to be answering some of your questions. Now, if you like success mindset videos and if you like sales training videos, negotiating videos, check out my channel at Paul Democrito. I know it's hard to say, so just go for pauldtv.com or find the link below this video. Go to my channel. It's all about success, all about sales, and I also interview people in and out of the blockchain industry on how they succeeded in life and business. That said, Richard's being interviewed for the Crypto Factor Part 2. This is Part 1. You can find it right now on Amazon, Apple Downloads, Barnes & Noble, a bunch of places, and it features some of the top influencers in the world talking about their journey and how you can really succeed in crypto. People like Andonopoulos, McAfee, Ver, Vase, many, many more. From the chart guys from trading to YouTubers to anybody that's anything in, in crypto. That said. I think I, I think I can prove this point regarding the rich getting richer, but their BTC stacks getting smaller and smaller. Okay. So if you take, if you take Satoshi, Satoshi mined Bitcoin when they were worth nothing. And he got about a million coins. And to the best of anyone's knowledge, he never got an extra coin. Doesn't, doesn't mine anymore. Doesn't have any more coins. And then, so there's an example of a guy who has a lot more dollars because the price keeps going up, but he doesn't have any more coins. So then let's look at another guy that had a huge stack of coins. Jihan and Roger. Jihan and Roger had huge stacks of Bitcoin dumped them for another coin. Now they don't have them anymore. So what Did you'll find it. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. They okay. sold Bitcoin to buy Bitcoin Cash. And they did, they did it for their companies as well, not just personally. I'm not sure about Jihomo personally. I am assuming that. But I know Bitmain and Bitcoin.com and Roger. For sure, they've spoken publicly. Look what I did. Sold that, bought that. If, uh, if the price of Bitcoin keeps rising, which it tends to do over any period longer than three years. So if you bought a top and held for three years, you got a new all-time high. Like it's higher than you've last saw it, right? So for instance, three years ago, it was lower than it is now, even though it's a huge bear market, right? So if, if you were in for longer than three years, you're still cash positive. As the price keeps moving up, it gets harder and harder to be, it gets near impossible to buy more coins. So look at it this way. For you to outperform your Bitcoin stack, you have to sell your Bitcoin into fiat, invest that into a business, okay? So now you don't have your Bitcoin anymore. Now you have a business. And then you have to hope that that business is so good that it outperforms the Bitcoin that you just sold. And it's extremely, extremely, extremely hard to outperform something that 20X is in two years, okay? Which is what Bitcoin did. So anyone that's rich on Bitcoin, that has a stack of Bitcoin, finds it nearly impossible to grow their stack of actual coins because they would have to sell their coin and find something else that amplifies their wealth quicker than the Bitcoin did. It's fucking near impossible. So what happens is everyone that has a big stack of Bitcoin, pretty much the only way that you can get more Bitcoin out of that stack is to buy a shitcoin or to get lucky by an exchange. A lot of exchanges lost their asses this year, right? Did good in 2017, probably gave it all back in 2018. Right. Um, so you, you'll see that people get more money because the Bitcoin keeps appreciating, but they never get more Bitcoin because they can't find anything else that appreciates faster than it to get a little extra profit to buy more coins with. Right now, the interesting thing about this, like I'm, I'm unaware of like, it's very hard to make your Bitcoin stack grow in Bitcoin terms. It's easy to make it grow in fiat because you can just leave a sit there wait three years, but to make your actual coin stack grow, it's very hard. That the one thing people do to try and grow their Bitcoin stacks is they lend their coins out to people who want to short the market with leverage and they can make, you know, 15, 20% a year, something like that. Sometimes more, sometimes less. Now what's the downside to that? The exchanges get hacked and you lose all your money. It's like picking up pennies in front of a freight train. So you took a peer to peer currency designed to get rid of middlemen and you gave all your coins to a middleman who's been hacked before and is likely to get hacked again, and you're gonna lose your whole stack because you wanted to make a little percentage return. That's the only way that you can get a return on your Bitcoin holdings. You gotta lend them out to someone that's willing to pay, and the only people willing to do that are people that are gonna use them to short. That's it. Now, my thing that I invented is trustless interest. In the real normal world, if you want to put your money in a bank, they give you interest. But let's say you don't like the pitiful interest in your savings account, your checkings account, you want more. You lock it up for a period of time. It's called a certificate of deposit, a CD. 
It's one of the most popular products in the bank. There's $575 billion locked up in CDs in the United States right now. $575 billion is a lot of money. And that's just small guys. That's just accounts under 100K. There's jumbo CDs. I don't have numbers on them. I'm sure they're gigantic. And that's just the United States. The ratios seem to be the same all across the world. So whatever portion of GDP, it ends up in a CD, right? So what blockchain product is addressing that $600 billion of money in the legacy CD markets? Bitcoin's not. Bitcoin tried to be a currency and failed, but let's just say it succeeded as a currency. Can you gain Bitcoin by holding Bitcoin? No, you gotta lend them out with counterparty risk. So I invented a smart contract, which you lock your coins up. The longer you lock, the more you get paid. And now you don't have to have counterparty risk to make interest on your coins. You can just leave them sit there. The same contract that invented the coins is the same contract that you lock your coins in. And then when your term's over, you get all your rewards. It's awesome. Okay. And no one else is doing but it. But how does this work? How, do, how does your coins pay you more interest or pay you fees for holding it? So in Bitcoin, we have time locking. There's a function called CLTV, check time log verify, or CTLV. Mm -hmm. And the problem with CTLV, it's neat because it lets lightning work, um, but you can't earn any interest, right? So when you lock your coins, you just made them less functional. They, you can't use them now, right? because no one's paying you any interest for that. That's because mm -hmm. Bitcoin pays all of its interest, its new coins, its inflation, which is 4.17% a year, and was always higher, much higher in the past. It gives that to miners to sell on your head and dump on you to pay their electric bills and pollute the environment, right? So, but, 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 okay. Yeah. I so see, if you I didn't need to, if you didn't need that. to pay the miners that inflation, you could give that inflation to someone else, perhaps someone right. that had more value, the holders. So in my currency, if you stake your coins, it's like getting free mining hardware. You stake your coins and you just get more coins for being staked. So it's kind of like proof of stake. Very similar. It's a hybrid. So in proof of stake, there's no mining In my system, there is still mining, but you're not paying for it. Someone else is paying for it, right? So Ooh. in the Ethereum network, it's the second largest network by hash rate, and they've never had an inflation bug like Bitcoin's had. They have a bug bounty program like Bitcoin doesn't. Uh, the last inflation bug Bitcoin had was caught by a Bitcoin Cash developer, right? So there's a lot of good things going on in that ecosystem, right? There's a lottery ticket that they end up on proof of stake and have less pollution. There's a lottery ticket that they get huge scale from sharding. They've got more people working on stuff in that ecosystem than any other coin by far. Most white papers, mm -hmm. most developers, most everything, right? So they, they even have a better mining ecosystem. So it's mined on GPUs. If you want to mine Ethereum, you can. If you want to mine Bitcoin, you can't. You have a GPU, who cares? Useless. You have CPU, who cares? Useless. You need ASICs to mine Bitcoin, right? So it's a better mining ecosystem, and they're even changing the algorithm to get rid of anyone that builds an ASIC miner. They're switching to a proof of work called Prog POW, which gets rid of all the ASIC miners that people like Jihan Wu have already built for Ethereum to keep the mining ecosystem superior to that that Bitcoin has currently, right? So what we do is we piggyback on their network. You guys want to give us trustlessness for really cheap? You want to let us do transactions for cheaper than Bitcoin with higher throughput than Bitcoin? 
okay, well, I'm not going to work to build that since there's no margin in it, right? So do you think, do you think that Amazon became the world's most profitable company or Bezos who became the world's most profitable man by owning Amazon? Amazon doesn't own UPS. Amazon doesn't own FedEx. Amazon doesn't own the USPS, but Amazon 100% requires for their retail business, those entities. Mm. Now who gets to get rich, Amazon or FedEx? Amazon does because the value was captured higher up the food chain, not at the marginless substrate. So if I can treat Ethereum like a marginless substrate that gives me trustlessness at faster speeds and cheaper prices than Bitcoin does, I don't need to replicate that. I don't need to fork it. I don't need to do a proof of work change. I don't need to do any of that crap. I just need to do better game theory because crypto is just game theory plus trustlessness. And the trustlessness is optional. EOS literally votes to take money from users. You don't come to defend yourself against accusations. We've invented the default judgment on the blockchain and they just take your money and give it to somebody else. That ain't no blockchain that I like, but mm. a lot of people seem to like it. I didn't so, know that, by the way. Yep. It's in the white paper and they've already done it and they've taken funds from one user and given it to another user. And it Before is, on what grounds? Uh, uh, we were hacked. It was a hacker. So okay. hack, hacker didn't come to defend themselves. Money got moved. So the, the point is, if you want to have the fastest, hardest pumping coin, which I think I built, you need to do two things. You need to affect the supply. You need to affect the demand. So how can you, how can you affect the supply? Supply, you can affect algorithmically. I can affect supply in the software. Can I affect demand in the software? Nope. Supply is digital and I can write code that's digital that affects it. Demand is analog. That's humans making decisions. Harder to affect, right? So let's talk about the supply side. In Bitcoin, more and more price goes up. Miners buy more mining hardware. They compete against each other. The reward is the same, right? It's just 12 and a half blocks every 10 minutes, but more and more people compete for it. How do they compete? By burning more electricity. So what does that do? It drives up everyone's electricity bills. How do they pay the bills? By selling the coins. What's that do to the price of the coins? It drives the price of the coins down. So the more people that mine Bitcoin, the shittier it is for the price because they got to sell the coins. Now what happens in my system? The more people that stake their coins, which is our equivalent of mining, right? Do we burn more electricity? Nope. Do we have to sell it, sell coins for electric bills? Nope. What happens to the price? Well, those coins can't be traded anymore. They get removed off the circulating supply. They get locked up. Price goes up. People FOMO. Oh man, price is going up. They lock up more coins. Price goes up more, right? And then because we're the only token that I've ever seen that pays more for locking up longer, just like a CD in the real world, people have a war for longer stakes. So if, if someone stakes longer than you by a year, they get 20% free extra shares that you didn't get, right? So like if you're just staking daily or staking once every seven week, uh, seven days, you know, you're not getting that bonus, but they're getting that bonus shares every, every round that they're in there. So you get this war for longer stakes and your profitability has much more to do with how many other people in that pool are competing against you for the, the rewards of the currency 
than it does with the actual reward. So I'll give an example. Bitcoin inflates 4.17%. Bitcoin hex inflates 3.69%. So it's already got lower inflation than Bitcoin's ever had in its entire history of 10 years, right? In Bitcoin, if you want to earn interest, you got to give it to get loaned out. You lose it to hackers. Or you could sell it and buy mining hardware and get totally fucked when the mining hardware shows up late and your 50% of your profit with mining hardware happens in the first week you receive your hardware because hash rate's always going up, almost always in this bear market, it went down. So if you don't wanna dump your coins and try and buy shares in an exchange and get wrecked, and you don't wanna dump your coins to try and lend them out to other people to get margin trading shorts in, and you don't wanna, you know, if, if you wanna get more coins on your coins, you either gotta buy a crap coin and take the risk, right? Or uh, I guess put it in a system that can do what this system does, which see, Bitcoin can only give money, new money to miners. It can't change to a proof of stake system. It's just, it can't happen. Our system was designed better from the, from the start. We give our inflation just to people that hold. It's a better game theory because all anyone it's uses cool. this shit for is speculation anyway. Nobody's using this transactionally. You don't need high throughput. How much throughput do I need when a person does one lockup for like five years? I need two transactions. One today and one five years from now. I don't need high throughput, right? I happen to have it. It's great, but I don't need it. So if Warren Buffett was to invest in cryptocurrency, you just described a very good um, fundamental things that he looks for when buying something because he wants dividends back and so forth. Yeah. Well, he looks for a lot of stuff. So he looks for a walled garden. He looks for pricing power. Yeah. So let me tell you about since we're going to take the Buffett angle, you know, what pricing power does this coin have over other coins? Well, people ask me, well, why won't someone just copy it? Well, it's not actually open source. The claim tool that we use to give everyone the free coins that lets you claim them trustlessly, right? You just sign a Bitcoin transaction, you get your free Bitcoin X. That claim tool is closed source. So you'd have to write your own and it's hard. The code in the smart contract is unlicensed, meaning you're not allowed to copy it. So if you, if you want to get your coin listed on an exchange, these days they kind of want a letter from a lawyer, right? Because mm. they don't want to lose their bank accounts. They don't want legal problems, right? They're already rich. They don't need to take extra risk for more money, except Quadriga CX, that was funny. <laughs> they, those guys did take more risk for more money. Didn't work out well for them. Uh, if, so you know, if someone tries to use my code to knock off my project, and they get listed on exchange, I can see the exchange, right? Or whoever I sign the rights to can see the exchange. Or whoever owns the rights when the project launches, you get the idea. So having a barrier to entry for copycats, my project has, right? So if someone gets a domain and starts acting like me but ain't me, they get sued, right? Hmm. Those are things that Bitcoin doesn't have. Now, what about decentralization? I can't, the, I can't change the smart contract if someone put a gun to my head. It's immutable. No one can change it. Hmm. In Bitcoin, you vote. Every time you double-click the EXE for the new node software that uh, Bitcoin Core produces, you're entering the lottery that that EXE does what you think it does. Sometimes it opens up an inflation bug where if someone sends a certain transaction to it, they get free coins. That was in the code. A Bitcoin Cash developer found it and then Core, you know, properly mitigated the problem, right? 
we don't have that with the smart contract. Smart contract never changes. It is what it is. We know what the game theory is going to be forever, right? So for instance, in Bitcoin, people talk about this 20 million, 21 million coin limit. That's a theory. That 21 million coin limit exists as long as the miners tell you it does. And as soon as the miners decide to fork the network and keep instead of happening, right? Like, you know what? We're going to go from 12 and a half coins to 6.25. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just keep that 12 and a half. What are you going to do if the miners decide that? Not transact with the network? Run your own full node that doesn't talk to anyone else? And just as like, no, the, my coins are the real coins and I won't talk to that fake network that is the only thing that can actually mine transactions. So. I'm not educated enough on the matter to be able to answer or uh, have an opinion on that though. I'll be, I'll, I'm I, I, very honest. The stuff's hard. It is hard stuff. Um, do we have any questions from your audience, by the way? Should we go through the questions? Because we did promise we're gonna be looking at some. Sure. Do you wanna read some out? I All can't right. see them, so. Yeah, I can do that. Hey, audience, all of you guys that asked smart questions earlier are going to be completely ignored because I'm just going to look at the ones that come in within the next 20 or 30 seconds. So <laughs> that's hilarious. I'm going to I'm going to look a bit here. Historically, you guys have terrible questions. Maybe today will be different. It can be questions on anything. It can be on on, on, on uh, crypto. It can be on lifestyle right. success. It can be in. So, so, Someone says it's a diamond, not a pyramid. Guess who's at the tippy top? So on which side? People, I don't know, but I have something <laughs> cool to say about pyramids, so I'll just say Maybe it. more. So people don't understand the difference between a Ponzi scheme, a pyramid scheme, and a bubble. They're different. So I'm going to explain it to you now. A Ponzi scheme makes you promises that it can't sustainably deliver. It can only deliver those promises to early people because it's stealing money from the balances of later people. And then at some point it runs out of money to steal to pay its debts and it can no longer pay the debts that it's accrued. That's how Ponzi schemes fail by making promises they cannot sustainably fulfill. If it seems too good to be true. It often is in crypto too good to be true is actually true pretty damn often, right? Like free money is given out all the time. Bitcoin used to be free. You could just download, you could get it from a faucet for free or double click an EXE and get it on your computer for basically free, right? XRP was given away for free to anyone that wanted to give their email. XLM was given away for free to anyone that had Bitcoin. These are all top 10 cryptocurrencies. This was free ass money that a lot of people took, but you, maximalist, might have been too stupid to take. Oops, less money for you. Hope the bear market's treating you all right. Maybe the next time free money comes along, get it. So. Normal world, free money, very hard, usually a scam. Crypto, free money, not usually a scam, oddly enough. Um, so pyramids require maximum middlemen between product and manufacturer, right? So instead of selling vitamins, we sell vitamins through this guy and 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 this guy, and they all get a lot of money. And then this guy gets a shitty deal and somehow the world is better. No, the world is worse. Pyramid schemes suck. So in my currency, Bitcoin Hex, there's only one tier of referral. You can refer someone and get 20% of their stack. You just put your Ethereum address at the end of the link, question mark R equals, right? Bitcoinhex.com forward slash question mark R equals your Ethereum address. You don't have to sign up. Anyone that clicks that link puts a cookie on their machine. When they claim, you get 20% of their stack. It gets 
inflated in the currency. They still get their full stack. The currency inflates 20% of that dude's payout to pay you, the referrer. Not multi-tier, right? You can't game the system. Oh, well, I'll refer myself 10 times and I'll make 10 accounts. None of that crap works. Can't game the system. You know who else has single-tier affiliate programs? Amazon.com, Tesla, Motor Cars. They have affiliate programs. If you have a crypto and it doesn't have an affiliate program, you're probably stupid. Actually, Amazon takes it a step further. Did you know that if you buy something on Amazon through an affiliate link, anything that person will buy for 24 hours, even if mm. it's other products, nice. you still get paid affiliate, you can still get paid commission. That's so nice. it's a one tire, but for 24 hours, no matter what he buys. That's good. That's really good. I like that. Yeah. So somebody bought my book and then they bought a fridge, for example. I also get commission. Just cut in the, the fridge. fridge. It's good. I like it's it. Fair. Like I got rich on affiliate programs. I really like affiliate programs. I think they scale and they're awesome and they're pay per action. So things that don't work, people stop doing, you know, they stop wasting the public's consciousness, the ads that don't work. It's, yep. it's just better for everyone. Like pay per action and pay per acquisition is vastly superior for all parties than crapping out ads that no one can track that clutter up the environment that no one wants. Every time someone advertises yep. me makeup on YouTube, I ain't buying makeup. The makeup I got last long <laughs> <laughs> so, so Ponzi's fail because they make promises they can't keep. So is Bitcoin hex a Ponzi? No, because it minted the coins that it owes you. It can always mint more. Whatever it owes you, it can pay. Not a Ponzi. Is it a pyramid? No, there's only one level of refer. Can it be a speculative bubble? Yes. Okay. If people decide something's worth a lot and then they decide it's worth less. Okay. What are you going to do about that? You can't program your way out of that, okay? That's humans deciding what they think is valuable and then what they think ain't valuable. There's nothing you can do about it, right? I mean, we can lock up more coins and affect the supply side, but on the demand side, like human changing humans is a marketing job and I do a good job of it, but if they decide to pump the price to the absolute total moon, sure, we're gonna have a dip, right? Dips aren't illegal after you go to the moon. So that's the difference between a Ponzi, a pyramid, and a speculative bubble. You might as well use correct language and understand how these things really work. Um, most cryptocurrencies are not Ponzi's and most cryptocurrencies aren't scams. I would say most cryptocurrencies could be overvalued, right? So, you know, a, a cryptocurrency that has no adoption and no use case or, and no development going on. Aware, or they were not aware or that they will become scams. It could be. There was a lot yeah. of uh, coins and ICOs that were invented, and they thought it was going to be easy because everyone was giving money to them. And unfortunately, I've met a lot of these people in companies. They're idiots. Um, so sorry, I'm not trying to, you know. But they're not. I'll rephrase it. Totally mistake. They're actually very, very, very smart people in programming with no life or business experience whatsoever, especially in sales and marketing. And that's where the problem is. But they're so smart, they don't realize this. And there's a Dunning-Kruger effect involved. And because they're all crypto orientated, they don't open up the mind that they need marketing, they need people from outside crypto, and that's where they lose everything. It's like uh, engineers hate marketing. And you're like, you, you, really, <laughs> you know, if no one ever uses the thing you engineered, what was the use of engineering it? Like the marketing yes. is, I've it's heard, super I've important. I've heard your product should be speaking for yourself. The product should speak for itself. I don't care if your product is shouting. If no one can hear it, right. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. <laughs> well, a lot of these products have no market. They're solutions looking for a market that doesn't exist. 
and exactly. you, you're just like, it's like, let's take Siren Labs, right? Hey guys, we're gonna build a new cell phone to hold crypto. And you're like, well, why wouldn't Samsung just do that? They've already got an, a secure enclave on the device that I'm sure Everything. shits all over your secure enclave. So it's just software for them. And then, oh look, Samsung did do it, right? Yeah. Like it, it, it was a dumb, dumb, dumb business to start, right? Like hardware is not a good business at all. Like, I actually advised the company not to go down that route, and they listened. They were going to put it. I'm like, wait a year, other phones, like tap into something else, and thank God they listened to me. Yeah. Some you you always it. rather be in software than hardware because software scales, right? Mm -hmm. You want to be in hardware, okay? Well, we need a year lead time and a ton of R and D, and then we can only sell this thing for maybe two years, and then we have to do it all over again for the next one. It's super, 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 super hard. So, you know, the reason Apple can do all of the fancy hardware stuff that it does is because they make so much money on their software. Because they're Apple. Right. And it's the same with Google. Like if, if Google didn't own Android, you wouldn't have a good alternative ecosystem to the, the Apple one. Even so, Google fails sometimes. Look at Oh yeah, a lot. They, Google they, Plus. They they're, they're taking away uh, Google Plus pages, and I think mm -hmm. they even tried the Google Phone at some point. They've they've tried a Nokia. lot of things. There's a website of Google's failures. It's got them all listed. They're numerous, but you know that's that's okay. So they have a lot of failures, but their experiments also have successes. So for instance, yeah. Gmail was an experiment that some dev there did in his twenty percent free time. So they give you twenty percent free time there that you can just do whatever you want. So in his 20% free time, he built G Gmail and look at that product now, right? Um, I think maps might have come out of the same type of thing. I'm not totally sure. So they've got a lot of failures, but this few successes they've had pretty much make outweigh every single other failure. Pretty much, pretty much today. You know, I, I wish that we lived in a world that was more competitive and you had viable search options that weren't, uh, Google or Bing, um, you know, I'd like more options. I'd like more innovation. I don't like it when I click, you know, 20, 20 pages in and then it runs out, even though, you know, it showed there was like 50 pages. When you get to page 20, it just stops. You're like, yo, what's up with the false advertising? Where are my other 30 pages, bro? Right. Yeah, or you do an image search, like you do an image search. You're like, yo, my friend was at this party. I want to find my friend. I know you guys have better software to actually find his ass. I know that you could find him if you really wanted to tell me about it, but you want to pretend that your image recognition ain't that good. All right, I guess I guess image search is useless then. Okay, you know, like uh, it. I I believe that these large megacorps that are utilities need to be regulated as utilities. If Google and Facebook and Amazon decide that you're persona non grata unwanted, your life sucks hard. Is that fair to a human being, right? If you, it, it's like, and these companies don't even have customer service. You can't even call them, right? That, that is a problem. You can't even call them. Something that could like ruin your life, right? No phone call, no phone number. Like you guys ain't making enough money to slap an Indian dude on the phone and at least pretend to help. Come on. You are making enough money. So then again, they've also created a lot of lives or a lot of um, uh, 
successes out there if it wasn't for the Google, if it wasn't for YouTube, if it wasn't for Facebook, a lot of people wouldn't be successful. I'm not talking about famous because fame and success are two different things, but the people that use it right, they have become very successful, made a lot of money. Well, you would still get that if you, so they need to do the same thing to those companies that they did to the telephone systems. Telephones went from no one having them to everyone having them. And then the carriers were making too much money and they weren't providing new services and they weren't providing new features and they were just milking everyone for the money because they had a monopoly. So what did they do? They split up Ma Bell into regional carriers and everyone had a base level of service that they paid a base fee for and then they competed on the price over that, right? So, oh, we're gonna add voicemail. Oh, we're gonna add star 69. And they added features and differentiated and competed on price and product. That's how you get mm -hmm. capitalistic improvement out of a monopoly system, by mm -hmm. dividing it up and creating competition with a base level of service and pricing, right? That's how DSL prices came down because they'd have to license you the DSL line and then you would add on to it. Oh, you're gonna get news group access, you're gonna get uh, SMTP email, right? All that stuff. Everyone's like, what is all this? I'm old, okay? It used to be separated out, all right? You used to not get all that stuff. You probably don't even know what a news group is, you young, you young people, you. So if you want to have a choice other than Facebook sometime in the next 20 or 30 years, Facebook needs to be declared a utility have its data substrate, its underlying data stuff, licensed for a fee to other parties to add value on top of so that people have options that aren't Facebook. Oh, maybe this one lets me actually see where my data is, you know, why, who can see me this way? Data, Facebook used to have a feature where you could see how other people could see you, but then they got rid of it and it never came back, right? So if you could, take the data structure, the value, right? Make its base layer, sell it to other companies at that fee, just like they did with telephones. And then other people add value on, Facebook's still gonna make a lot of money, they're gonna still make a lot of money, but we'll have progress and we'll have choice and we'll have competition. And we do not have that now. I think we, you know, I think that even if there was competition, people won't very easily move from Facebook to another platform. It happened in the past though. They so time out, people MySpace. get bored. People get bored yeah. and they don't want to associate with the people that came before them. So because but your parents are on Facebook, you don't want to be on Facebook. Every MySpace 10 or 20 years, people rotate to a new thing just to get away from the old people. So if your parents are on Facebook, you don't want to be on Facebook, right? So you get on Snapchat. And then when you have kids and you're on Snapchat, your kids don't want to be on Snapchat because your ass is there. So you get this rotation to new services every five or 10 years because people don't want to associate with old people pretty much. It's funny actually, the uh, margin of Facebook demographically is going up in, in, in uh, age right now. So there's yep. older people using yep. Facebook. And it'll keep doing that. More businesses, more, that's why there's not so much spam and so forth. See, what Facebook's doing though, is that they're beating the S-curve. So S-curve adoption, where you've got early adopters, parabola, yeah. hockey stick, and then, okay, we got everybody. There's nobody else to get. Facebook's cheating the system. They should already be dead. They should already be replaced. But they keep fucking buying every company that would be the one to kill them. I so WhatsApp yeah. had like a billion users, and Facebook's like, are we in phones? No. 
okay, but this billion user thing could add some social and then we'd be like, fucked, right? Okay, well, let's buy them then. So they buy them, right? So they bought Instagram and they bought uh, WhatsApp. And if, you're, if you get to a scale where Facebook feels threatened, they just buy you. That's and why so they're this, selling their own cryptocurrency. Right, right. So if you think that capitalism will save you, you will find out that it fucking will not because anybody that comes to start something better to replace Facebook gets bought by Facebook. So if you actually want choice and you actually want competition, you actually want excellence, you need to split that thing up and let people add value and attempt to compete. And then the winner makes more and the loser makes less. That works. Work to telephones. It's already in the law. We, you know, if, if a thing is a utility, it needs to be regulated as a utility. These companies are more important than your phone company, which is a utility. So if your phone's a utility and it's less important than your, your social network, your social network's a utility too. Any more questions that you would, that might be interesting that we can answer? Somebody, sure. Somebody said, how are you going to get rid of Google and act as an Intel arm for the NSA or for the government? The NSA doesn't care who you are. They already have their hooks in. So they don't give a shit if you're Google or Facebook or whoever. They don't care if you want to play ball or not. They get what they want, period. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're on their team or not. They're still getting what they want. They got their devs are better than your devs. Their budget is bigger than your budget. And their focus on getting the data is a lot stronger than you're caring about them not getting it. So they're going to get it. It doesn't matter whether Google tries to fight them or Facebook tries to fight them. They're going to get that data, period. Not only them, China's going to get it too. Everyone's going to get it because you only have to fuck up once. If you fuck up once, whoever got in gets everything. And you can't change that shit. Oh, they got your birthday? Go change your birthday. Nope, can't change it. Got out once, it's out forever. Right. So the only way to actually have data security in this modern environment is to never capture the data at all. If the data is ever captured, it will be leaked and it will be lost. Period. Mm. Agreed. Next question. Uh, I work for a multi-billion dollar company and they use COBOL. COBOL's fine. COBOL works. It's programming language. It does what it's meant to do. What's wrong with COBOL? Who gives a fuck? Keep it. Seems fine. It's not as yeah, cool as Fortran, broken, but Fortran's awesome. Huh? If something's not broken, why reinvent the wheel, yeah? Yeah, it's people, <laughs> if you try and rewrite your code, you'll realize that you shouldn't have rewrote your code. It never goes like you think it will. Once the supply is fixed and the BHEX pool is empty after some years, how do you get the percentage for lockups? Oh, so there, there is, there inflates forever. Just like new human beings keep being born just like the dollar keeps losing its value, right? If you're staked in Bitcoin Hex, you will always earn more interest than the inflation rate because inflation rates only paid to stakers and you're a staker. So if you're a staker, there isn't any inflation in that system. If you hold Bitcoin, there's inflation. The miners are gonna dump on you. But in Bitcoin Hex, if you hold Bitcoin Hex and you're a staker, you will always make more profit because you get profit three places. One from the inflation pool. So if the whole currency inflates 4%, which I'm just rounding, it's really 3.69, but let's call it four. If the whole currency inflates 4%, right? Your big currency, we take 4% of that. What if only 1% of the currency is staking? And I've got to shove 4% 4 of profit at those 1% of people. They all get 400% returns. They all get 4X their money. 
that's pretty awesome. So because people would go, well, I don't want you to make Forex your money. I want to get in on that too. Other people join in. And then they don't get 4x their money anymore. If 2% of people stake, right, they only get 2x their money. If 4% of people stake, they only double their money. If 40% of people stake, they only get 20% return on their money. That's still pretty damn good. 20% return on your stack, trustless, hands off, right? And there's actually other profit centers in there too. Does this mean, does this mean it would actually increase in the bear market, Richard? Well, it should end it, really. So if if it's true that people need to buy Bitcoin to get this thing for free and they see value in the thing, then the price of Bitcoin should pump before the snapshot so that people can get their physical coins to get their free coins. So just like Bitcoin price pumped before the Bitcoin cash fork a lot, uh, in theory, if this project is as popular or more, uh, it should pump similarly, right? I mean, I guess because Bcash price fell so much, maybe it wouldn't pump as hard. Huh? But even in future bear markets, because if people are selling because of the bear market, the people that are holding will be getting more hex. Correct. Yes. So it, this, it should this reduce is, this bear market volatility. Bear coin in the making as well. Pretty much. Everything, it, I call right. them pumpamentals. This coin has every pumpamental. I mean, there's things in this that I never told you about, which I guess I'll just I'm tell you about. I'm writing that down, pumpamentals. I like that, pumpamentals. Yeah. So if, if you want to lock up supply and you want to act like a CD and you want to pay people more for locking it longer and you don't want them to unlock, what's a dark pattern that you can use? Like uh, you want to be the bank, right? So banks make money on fucking you over the fees. How do they do that? Well, let's say you got $100 in your bank account and you've got a $100 check that you wrote and then 10 $10 checks that are going to overdraft. They could run the 10 $10 checks and then overdraft you just the $100 check and then they get paid one overdraft fee. Or they could run the $100 check first, empty your account, and then bang you for 10 overdrafts. Mm. Mm, what do you think bank's going to do? Now, unless some law was passed to prevent that, which I'm... I know there was some financial uh, improvements that were legislated in the states. I'm not sure uh, whether that was fixed or not. They use other dark patterns, right? So in CDs, they use auto rollover. Oh, you didn't uh, say that you didn't want to continue it? Okay, well, you're rolled over for the next period. Oh, but, but, yeah. but, right? So these dark patterns, right? Oh, you signed up for a free service and you want to cancel? You have to call or visit in person in Alaska between the hours of 1 and one thirty, and speak uh, Hindi. <laughs> like, oh, you guys make it pretty hard to cancel, right? So this gotcha capitalism and dark patterns, there's a little bit of that inside Bitcoin Hex. Because if you're a staker, you get to be the bank. If people eject and emergency end stake before they said they would, they pay a penalty of 25% of their, well, actually 50% of their penalty to the staker pool. So if you commit for a year and you only serve six months, you're not gonna get hit in your principal, but you're gonna lose all your interest, right? So you better do what you said you're gonna do, right? You commit for a year and you only serve three months, okay, well, you could pay half your penalty with the three months you served, but now you owe three months. So whatever that penalty was, that's gonna come right out of your stake, right out of your stack, gone.
I got I got another question. Yeah. Where do you have to hold your hex? Can it be held? Is it held on a, on an exchange or can it be in your own wallet, for it's example? Neither. It's one hundred percent trustless. No counterparty, including where you. Do you hold? The smart contract that invented the coins holds your coins for you. So when you lock your coins, they get sent back to the contract that invented them, and it holds them for you. And then one day, when you come and you're like, hey, I want to end my stake, it goes, how long did you promise the stake for? Has that amount of time passed? Okay, we're cool. No penalties. Enjoy your mad gains. And then it loops so, through. So what does it pay you? Does it pay you in, sorry. So it, it pays you in Bitcoin in... Hex. So it pays you in BHX. Which can then be traded with something else. Yeah, you could sell it for fiat or sell it for another crypto or restake it or do whatever you want. Send it to other people, right? So inside information time, do you have any investors already no. that are coming into the project? No, it's just me, okay. me and my dev team. There's an origin address that gets paid. So the origin address gets a copy of the bonuses. Doesn't get base claims, doesn't get interest. So there's bonuses. If you refer somebody, you get 20%. If you get in the first day, maybe the first week, you get 20%. If coins don't get claimed, like Satoshi doesn't claim his coins, those get given to stakers. Mm -hmm. So the people that stake early, probably gonna get Satoshi's coins, probably gonna get all the people's coins who lost their keys, definitely. Gonna get all the people I couldn't reach out to, right? Or just too stupid to take free money, right? So let's say I, let's say I get 25% of Bitcoin holders. Let's say I get 25% of Bitcoin people to claim their coins, it's doable. If I get 25% to, to claim their coins, that means 75% of the currency is going to be redistributed to the stakers. So that's all going to triple their stacks, right? Now, some guys will get more because they stake longer. Some guys will get less because they stake less long. So they didn't get all the bonus shares, right? But on average, if I can only get 25% of people to claim, everybody that staked is going to triple their stack just on that. Then they're also going to get the 3.65% interest. And they're going to get the fees from the people that emergency ejected. And then there's one other thing which is if you don't end your stake within two weeks of when you should, you start losing a percent of it every week. However, anyone can pull your shares out and prevent you from paying that fee. So a nice good Samaritan anyone, anywhere in the world could pay the 30 cents to pull your stakes out. It's called the good accounting function. So if you ended up in jail or whatever, anyone could run that for you and you know, you're not gonna get screwed. So I'm not sure anyone will ever actually pay that penalty. I personally am not gonna be running anything to save anyone's ass. If someone gets nuked and screws up and pays the staker pool, you were in the game, you were getting paid other people's when they got nuked, so now you got nuked. Live yeah. by the sword, die by the sword, right? And that game theory keeps it sticky and keeps everyone engaged. In Bitcoin, you've only got price. That's all you got. Mm -hmm. In this, you've got price, and how many people are in the staker pool with me, and when are their shares ending? And now we've got another chart of when coins are coming out of lockup, right? And how long are their lockups? And every extra year you lock up, you get 20% more shares. And those 20% more shares that you get amplify all those Satoshi redistributions. It's called we are all Satoshi when we redistribute the unclaimed coins. So if, if originally you were gonna get three quarter, if you're gonna get three X on your stack, because I can only get 25% of the people to claim. Well now, if you claimed, if you staked for the whole year, the whole claim phase, claim phase last a year, you got 20% more shares. So a guy that was just 
doing stakes one by one, you know, trying to time the market, he's got to overcome that 20% missing shares that you just got, right? And if you like, if you don't claim early, your stack starts how, disappearing. So if you claim week twenty five, half your stack's missing already. So so how does someone claim? So let's say someone has twenty bitcoins. Yeah. All right. Yeah. How does he claim? So you go to Bitcoin. You go to claim.bitcoinhex.com or wallet.bitcoinhex.com. Not exactly sure yet. It's not up yet. We're still in private testnet. You paste your Bitcoin address. Mm -hmm. You click generate signature. You copy it to your Bitcoin wallet. You say, sign statement. You drop down to that Bitcoin address. You click sign. You copy the output. You paste it. You click submit. You're done. So your, Copy, your paste. Your copy paste. Done. So your Bitcoin never leaves your wallet. Never. You're still in position. You never, so you you never install you new software. You, you do not install new software. You do not expose your keys to the internet. You do not have to be online to sign. You, like... You, you totally one hundred percent trustlessly just use a feature that's already in your Bitcoin wallet. Your Bitcoin with public, wallet with a public address or a private address. So, in your Bitcoin wallet, if you have a good one like Electrum or Coinomi or Bitcoin Core, etc., there's a little feature called sign statement, sign signature. Okay. Right? You tell it what address you want to sign from. And you tell it what you want to sign. So you're just going to sign something that says "Claim Bitcoin Hex to your Ethereum address." When you go there, it makes an Ethereum address for you, right? You install MetaMask, this extension that acts like a wallet. Yeah. It gives you an Ethereum address. And then when you go to the site with MetaMask turned on, it knows what your address is. So it can autofill it for you. And then you just copy, paste it, sign it, copy, paste it, done. Now, when you say, so you don't actually touch your keys, right? You can just literally copy, paste. So like the signing thing you can do offline. And then that thing that you pasted, you transport physically, you can type it or put it on a memory stick or whatever. You do put that to a computer that talks to the internet and has MetaMask on it, right? So there's your, you don't lose any anonymity or security. As a matter of fact, it may enhance your security because you, know, you might not have remembered your password, but now that it's been refreshed in your mind, you're less likely to forget it, right? You might not have noticed that one of your seed words was washed away and that you had to go pull up another copy. It's good every once in a while to make sure that you have access to your stuff because your redundancy could be failing and have data rot and you just not notice it, right? Yeah. So if you use a proxy or a VPN and you claim each of your Bitcoin addresses to a new Ethereum address, you're as anonymous as you entered because the world already knows your Bitcoin balances, they're public, and now it just knows that you've got your public uh, Bitcoin hex addresses too. Doesn't know what your IP address is. Doesn't know who you are. Doesn't care where you live. Totally trustless. About you. Do we have any other questions from your huh. audience? Millions. Millions. Let's do it. Let's do some fun ones, man. Let's do All right. It. Tech I'll get some tech. adventurous ones. So, coins aren't just magically money, bro. Yeah, they are. Yes, actually, they actually, are. Actually, even the dollar is. Yeah. Like this is all made up well, it's all coin, digits in a computer. There ain't no real they, US dollars. They're digits in a computer. There ain't no. They like, used to be backed by gold. Now they're not. Yeah. They're backed by an army, maybe. <laughs> but that's I, about it. Yeah. You don't want to be sitting on a dollar. I mean, unless the S&P really crashes, then the dollar is wonderful. But Pumpamental, I love it. Good, because I own the dot com. I also own Maximalish.com. Oh, really? I was thinking of buying that. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> when you, you it, it. I'm like, oh. Yep. 
<laughs> I got maximalish.com, pumpamental.com. Uh, I have I own satoshisvision.com. Do you? Yeah. Oh, wow. Huh. Just forwards to Bitcoin Hacks right now with a referral link. Did Craig Wright want to buy it? or? Probably, but I haven't offered it to him. So. No. I like I it. Just keep it. Well, ask him, ask him uh, what will pay for it. I will. It's a good number. Sure. I'll sell it. Okay. Um, Richard Hart, but what about long term? Bitcoin has lower inflation rate longer term. Dude, Bitcoin took 10 years of inflating like fuck and dumping coins on noobs to pay for mining, right? If Bitcoin didn't have to dump on everybody for 10 years, right? Back when the inflation rate was 1,000% annualized. So when you went from block one to block two, that was 100% inflation instantly, right? So the inflation rates were insanely, gigantically massive for years because you had to pay miners. A currency that doesn't have to pay miners doesn't have to suck for 10 years to then finally start to have a lower inflation rate. We're starting with a lower inflation rate than Bitcoin, right? So if, you're, if you think low inflation rate is, gonna, is what's going to make your coin pump, it's not. Because every shit coin that has 45% inflation rate currently, which is every new mined coin, pumps hard as fuck. Why? Because they're, they're low liquidity, right? The order book is empty on the sell side. So the price just goes up and up and up because there's not enough liquidity on the sell side to eat it up, the, the energy. So just price keeps going higher. Bitcoin went less high this last bull market than it did the bull market before that because it has too much economic mass now, right? Look at the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum. Ethereum's price moves are always double Bitcoins. If Bitcoin goes up 5%, Ethereum goes up 10%. If Bitcoin goes down 2.5%, uh, Ethereum goes down 5%, right? It's basically like a leveraged, totally correlated asset for the most part. Right now, because there's a fork, there's some decorrelation and Ethereum's leading the market. Today, because XRP got listed, it'll lead the market, right? When TRX had its BTT airdrop, that led the market. So you do get rotation with market leaders, but the differences in volatility and the amplification that these smaller lower cap coins have is obvious. You can put it on the chart, it's easy as fuck to see it, right? So I don't care about your lower inflation rate. Your lower inflation rate is not going to in any way make up for the giant ass ton of price that you already have that's too hard to move up, right? If I want to double the price of Bitcoin, which is what, I don't know, let's call it 80 billion, $80 billion for fun. Well, there's 17.52 million coins and they're like 3,500 bucks. So let's call it $50 billion, right? So you've got your $50 billion project and now you want to double it to a $100 billion project. So we just need to move the price from 3,500 to 7,000. That's fucking hard, dude. That takes hundreds of millions of dollars. It doesn't take billions of dollars, right? Some people assume a 30 to 40 X multiplier, right? So if you get 30, if you get a billion dollars of fiat in, you could get 30 billion market cap out, okay? To move Bitcoin, $30 billion to show you a 2X costs hundreds of millions. To show you like a thousand X in any other coin will cost like 1 billion. It's just, there's no, I don't give a shit about your low inflation rate. I don't care. Your pump amendments are fucked. You're not ever gonna outperform a shit coin, ever. So if you, if you care about percentage gains, my free token will dump all over your percentage gains on any coin that you paid for because free to something is infinite. 
That's the math. Um, so long term, yeah, I'll take the thing that has higher throughput, already has anonymity, by the way. So I want to already release something called Zether, which gives you uh, zero knowledge proofs on Ethereum. And the only downside to it is it's so gas intensive right now that it almost fills an entire block, one transaction. But, the, but it's there, right? So you could probably do it on a side chain. Like, it's neat. And it's already there and it already works because Ethereum's a Turing complete system and you can do anything imaginable in it because it's Turing complete. Although it's weak as hell, as you can see by only being able to do one transaction on a whole block. Bitcoin ain't got no anonymity. So Ethereum does cheaper transactions at higher throughput with anonymity and a lot of lottery tickets for scaling and sharding and their own replacements for state channels and so the version of Lightning is called Plasma and State Channels and uh, Raiden. It's just fucking better and it has the lower market cap. So if the ICOs eventually get done dumping it, I would probably be more bullish on it than Bitcoin. But because the ICOs still have bags, I'm not happy to be buying an ICOs bags, really. Um, okay, but, but um, a Bitcoin will still not be a store of value, but will still be anti-flationary and institutional money, if it goes into cryptocurrencies, they will bet on Bitcoin, right? They yep. already are, plus it's the first name. So sure. I, I generally see Bitcoin like I see gold. And let me explain what I mean by that because no one really explains it. I'll tell you what I mean. It should be one to 5% of your portfolio, if that makes sense. And then you need other stuff to make you money because gold is actually a very very bad investment i own gold but it's a bad investment warren buffett hates it but owns some and the reason is it's anti-flationary it's easy to it, it's good in hard times and it's generally good to have in your portfolio that's just my point of view on that um i just wanted to add it in there. I, I think i think berkshire hathaway having 20%, 22% annual returns for 50 years is good enough. Mm -hmm. So they can't do that much better than the S&P 500, but they still do a little better than the S&P 500. So think, until uh, Warren he, Buffett dies, I think it. Berkshire Hathaway is pretty fucking great. Yeah, he actually beat um, the, the S&P 500 with, with a 10-year bet, didn't he? Yeah, he beats, he, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't become the world's greatest investor by sucking and investing. <laughs> like, like if you've returned 22% average over 50 years, you are a god as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, Berkshire Hathaway is the shit. Less yeah. the shit than it used to be because their size is so large now that it's hard to outperform the market as hard as they used to. And the markets have become a little bit more efficient. Um, what are we talking about? Oh yeah, Ethereum versus Bitcoin liquidity. Yeah, if you're a speculator, you need to take your blinders off and just realize that low liquidity things can do 1,000x and big high market cap things can't. They can't. There's not enough fiat to buy up the price that high. Mm. So if you want 100x or 1,000x, you want to wait 10 years like I did in Bitcoin? Or you want to wait like two years that these other guys did? I like two years better. As long as long as it's still possible right now, because you don't know if this will be possible in the future, right? There'll be a lot of coins, a lot of projects like 
Um, so let so let's talk about that walled garden, right? So I've got pricing power because I didn't open source license the contract and I kept the claim tool private source. And I've got fifty thousand followers. When Vitalik launched Ethereum, he had what? No followers, five thousand followers, right? Oh, and don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing. I'm not talking about your coin. Just to be open. Well, I just I'm mean these differences. These differences in marketability and traction between coins will always make more of a difference than technical differences because no one actually uses this shit for anything. No one uses crypto for anything except getting rich. Yet, unless you're on the dark net. Yeah. Sure. Yet. Yeah. Sure. But why not just do what works now? It's like it's like. I could focus on cheaper fees because I've had them, or I could focus on no inflation bug because it's never had one, or I could focus on truly immutable because the contract can't be changed, you know, or I could focus on higher throughput. They're all great, but they're bullshit compared to mad gains. Triple your stack just from getting the coins unclaimed. I agree. Right? I agree. Like, but when you sell something, what will you sell it in? If you were selling land, for example, would you sell mm -hmm. it for Bitcoin? Like I, I'd sell my land for Bitcoin. I'd sell whatever I got the highest price for and then just convert it, right? Like if you were, if you were going to buy Bitcoin anyway and you had to pay 2% to get in and that guy was going to sell Bitcoin anyway and he was going to pay 2% to get out, then you guys saved 4% between the two of you total to just transact in that currency. But what you'll find is yeah. that the likelihood of two people wanting to transact and both having a 2% fuckage on the bid and ask is so rare that it restricts the number of things that you can purchase to where you're basically just going to get a shit deal on whatever you're buying. Sure. So you're I'm better off you. getting a better deal. You're better off selling for fiat, getting a better deal and buying something you really want instead of having a restricted supply to just the, the 0. 0.00001% of sellers that just happens to use the weird currency you use. There's a <laughs> lot of people that will be willing to sell things for Bitcoin or would rather sell things for Bitcoin for many reasons. I know a few of them. I don't think so. And, um, Companies that, companies that specialize in selling shit for Bitcoin literally go out of business, just like mm -hmm. escrow companies. So there used to All be right, an escrow company. They just wanted so business. Let's no say, so let's say, so let's say, you are, you own plots of land, mm -hmm. and let's say you're dividing this land into plots, mm -hmm. and you're selling each plot for twenty five thousand mm -hmm. dollars. And let's say there's a bull run in Bitcoin at the time and you want to increase your sales. What you can do to get company traction, but also, you know, sell a lot faster is sell plots of lands for Bitcoin. People with Bitcoin will happily buy the smart ones, an investment of land in order to give, you know, take profits in land and not in money, for example. And you are happy because you can take that Bitcoin, sell half of it and keep the rest of it or sell all of it or whatever. So because I bet, Bitcoin, I bet you'd sell 10 times as much if you accepted PayPal. All you're doing is introducing an alternative payment method. And there's 30 other there's alternative payment methods Bitcoin you could accept with larger but, markets. But you said before, see, you said it before yourself. Uh, there's a lot of things you can't buy with Bitcoin. You, there's, there's, you know, you can't buy stuff with Bitcoin. Well, mm -hmm. that's why people that do sell things in Bitcoin sell a lot faster when there's a bull run because people with Bitcoin also want to buy shit. Yeah, right? but I mean, why don't you just accept rubles? There's a lot of rich Russian people. 
I'm, right. uh, they do. So like, they, uh, we do. <laughs> but, what, but believe me, there's a lot of Russian people that want to buy Bitcoin and, and buy shit in Bitcoin or people that bought Bitcoin early and have a lot of Bitcoin. And maybe you're not giving enough sales or fast sales at that time. Uh, I mean, everyone that has introduced Bitcoin as a payment method for the most part has deintroduced it and stopped doing it for the most part. Yeah, for different reasons. Because it stops working. Small, no, it just stops working. Marginal, small marginal products, not big investment products, big investment vehicles, right? So there might be two websites that specialize in what you're talking about. Forget and I know, websites. And I know they've gone out of business. But forget about ones. websites. I'm talking about you and me right now. Mm -hmm. you, 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 okay, let me give you an example. You mm -hmm. bought Bitcoin when it was low, right? You have a mm -hmm. shitload of Bitcoin and mm -hmm. you can't buy shit with Bitcoin. And let's say Bitcoin has another run, it goes to 100,000. Now let's say, mm -hmm. let's speculate, let's just say for arguments like that you wanted to get rid of some of your Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Now, you could either put it on an exchange and tank the price, or and, and then basically, you know, people will know, maybe you have to do, I don't know, taxes, whatever, mm -hmm. or you can buy a hotel with Bitcoin or a, or large plots of land with Bitcoin. I Right. I would imagine that super duper whales do buy expensive shit with their Bitcoin. They do. I know. I'm telling you they do. I right? know they do. So, I've heard the stories. I know a guy that does that. I, it's <laughs> Yes, it is a thing. But you have to remember that though that guy is making an okay living and a couple of Bitcoin whales have been made okay, you can't make a multi-million dollar business off of those occasional transactions. If you want no, to make millions of dollars and scale, servicing that niche clientele is not ever going to be a unicorn. And it's it's just it's so it's a lifestyle business, basically. Like that guy might make two million a year, maybe. Oh, all I'm saying is One all year. I'm saying is that all I'm saying is that in the future people will have a use case for Bitcoin as currency. It might not be the currency that everyone's thinking. Well, it about. can't be much worse. It can't get much worse. I mean, how much fewer users can you get than two or four million? It's pretty pitiful. Right. Clash of Clans has right, 100 million okay. a day, and the next five games under it also have 100 million a day. So that's like half a billion people fucking around on freemium games that make a billion dollars each per year because it turns out freemium, people still love to pay for convenience, right? And hats and shit and skins. Don't know why, but they fucking love getting their credit card out for some skins, man. So, okay, let me... Yes, one Let day there will be a much higher Bitcoin price than there is today. And one day there will be 10 times the users. And I hope to be part of the reason that that happens. Like yeah. I'm, I'm giving Bitcoin a reason to go up in value shortly. Because if you want my free thing, you got to buy that thing. Right. So I'm giving Bitcoin a reason to go up in price. No, I'm going to be actually. advertising to get people into the <laughs> ecosystem. Right. So i am come from a public. I owned a marketing company with 150 employees. We did print, radio. Television, very fucking limited. Um, mm -hmm. Mostly things you can track. I don't really like uh, TV. I don't really like radio. I do like print as long as you can track it. You gotta have a unique domain name, unique phone number. Uh, web, I love, totally trackable. Amplify on the winners, cut the losers, right? So right now, nobody's advertising for crypto. You can't eat, it's, most of the keywords are even banned. That's how hard it is, right? Right now, yeah. I would love, to use all of the skills that I grew over a decade to be excellent at messaging, I'd love to have the right product to, to amplify that out there, right? So with Bitcoin, did 
Did I have a 20? Could I go to a wallet, right? So let's say, let's say a wallet, right? Let's make up one, wallet X. Unfortunately, there probably is one, but I'm just gonna use the name anyway. Wallet X, they make a little bit of fees on a little bit of fees, right? And they hope that people use their Changely link and they hope that people use their Shapeshift link so they can pay their two devs to update the shit every once in a while, right? That's where wallets live. If I go to that wallet and I go, hey, you wanna make 20% of people's stacks? Show them this ref link, slap your Ethereum address in there. You can wait till we're in audit so you know it's gonna happen, that's cool. You'll make more money on this than you ever made in your whole lifetime in the wallet business. I can Agreed. do that with my coin, but I can't do that with Bitcoin. I can't, I'm fucking hamstrung. I can't do any creative, exciting partnerships, deals. I can't do shit with Bitcoin. I can't make money on it. So it's just crippled I, because it's a tragedy of the commons. It's why they call it a tragedy, because it sucks and no one can fix it. But in my coin, I don't have those problems. I've got all the fucking leeway to do all the cool, exciting marketing stuff. And by the way, other tokens are doing that. So, you know, I don't, I don't own any XLM, but I am a user of Keybase, which is an encrypted Git so that, you know, when we do code updates and stuff, we know that they're not fake. It's real authenticated, encrypted the whole way. They gave me a, an XLM wallet for free. A bot messaged me. It was like, uh, yo, guess what? You have free XLM now. It gave me $5 of Lumens and a wallet built into the client. And I didn't do anything. I said, yes. I clicked yes twice, maybe three times. And now I'm onboarded with a wallet with money in it. What the fuck's Bitcoin done? Guess what? The Keybase people used to use Bitcoin anchoring for their trust network. They stopped. They use Lumens now. Why? It's because like Trustless saying, is cheap is now. What about gold? What about like gold? Saying, who, it's like saying, what, where's gold on? Who markets gold? Right, which is why gold price sucks, which is why it's $1,300 right. instead of being the $1,800 that it was fucking nine years ago. But it's still around. Now, here's the thing. I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist. It's cheaper than nine years ago. That's a shitty investment. True. Um, I'm, now, I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist, by the way. I own many, many different coins. Many, uh, you know, I, I'm a more of a venture capitalist approach anyway. Um, my thing is, I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I'm not going to argue about that. That's that's opinion. That's an opinion that anybody watching this can have a different opinion. Other people can. I like to be unbiased. I like to be an open mind. There's three sides of a coin. You're supposed to the heads, the tails, and the edge. You have to stand on the edge and look at all three sides, right? Um, what I am saying is that Bitcoin will be around just like other coins will be. Which one's better, which one's used where or how is irrelevant. I do believe... I do believe if you're a speculator, it's the only thing that matters. It's the opposite right? of irrelevant. If you're a speculator, it is the only thing that matters. Choosing the right coin is the only thing that matters. If yeah, you're pretty much, pretty much, right? Um, I, also, I also believe in Bitcoin, not just as speculation to make money, but also as safety, also as it could be used one day. Um, for purchases now, is it going to be going to the kiosk and buying a pack, a pack of cigarettes? Probably not while I'm alive, but and I don't smoke anyway. But um, it will be used. It will be used in certain cases, um, just like gold. If there's a war, gold mm -hmm. will go up, right? Uh, uh, you're telling me that okay, what could make uh, Bitcoin go up? Who can buy so many coins? A country could mm -hmm. buy Bitcoin, right? If they, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm surprised that some of them, they, they probably already are, or at least confiscated enough and have them in the treasuries, right? Look, I own a lot of Bitcoin. I'm happy to ride the bull run 
all the way yeah. to the fucking top, but I just know what Optimal Play looks like. And you will make more money on yeah. other coins. And just like you'll make, I, I make more money in business than I do from holding gold, gold is probably going to be worth what it is already now. It's I don't buy it to make money. I, I, I would... I would ne- <laughs> so here, here's my opinion on gold. I would never suggest anyone ever own any gold, ever. Here's, here's my Not take on that. Not even 2% of their portfolio. Nothing. Now here's Why? my take on it, okay? Let's say that you had $10,000 right. and you bought gold. Now your stack is down like 20%, 30%, right. five years ago or whatever, okay? Yeah. But let's say instead you bought anything else, any 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 index stock, right? As let's take the S&P 500. You're going to get 10% a year. And so if you just okay. for 5 years left your shit sit there, your stack is more than 50% larger now. Okay. Instead of 30% that. smaller. And then you yeah. could take your 50% money that you got at preferential tax rate by not like by holding it for more than a year and just buy all the fucking gold you want and watch it lose value and be replaced by digital gold, right? So like when Bitcoin was, gold was supposed to save us when the global financial crisis occurred. And what did the price do? It took a shit. It didn't pump, right? When the global financial crisis hits, the only thing that goes up value is cash. No asset denominated in cash goes up in value. Stocks go down in value because everyone's selling them for cash because they have fucking debts to pay that are paid in cash. They need cash. They need to sell stuff to get cash. So when the global financial crisis hits, what you want is cash, not assets denominated in cash. Real estate Wait. will go down, companies will go down, and fucking gold will go down. Now, when will gold go up in price? When there's inflation, right? When have we seen like real inflation? It's been relatively in check. It just, you know, like... When has America seen or when other countries have seen? S&P 500 beats the living fuck out of gold so bad, it's, un, it's unbearable. But, 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 okay, but, but, okay. Every eight to 10 years, there's a, there's a, there's a huge crisis, right? Yep. Every 20 years, there's a mega crazy crisis. What Sounds I'm fine. saying, what I'm saying is, when this crisis occurs, you want to hold two things, okay? Uh, up to now, before Bitcoin, right? Alcohol and bullets. Cash, bullets and cigarettes. Cash. Sorry. Uh, okay. If you want, uh, I, I'm, I'm talking about how to make money in crisis. So oh, all right. Thing. If you want to buy stuff, hold pharmaceuticals, actually. Um, and antibiotics, um, uh, you know, fever, mm. uh, paracetamol, stuff like that. If all these people that are buying gold and uh, buying things to save themselves in, a, in, a, in, a, in like, crazy scenarios no buy pharmaceuticals right people will pay you more for them they'll give you anything an arm and a leg what, when they, when they why, why not buy put options or why not like buy a short position or like there's so let's many say you don't have like, access let's say let's say you don't have access to that not everybody's computer savvy not everyone knows how to do this okay now what you want to be holding is gold and cash the reason is what as you said before, and I'll tell you, you can buy a villa with it, an apartment with it. People will gladly do it because they'll be using it as currency and they'll be using it in general. Okay, you want, yeah, cash might go down in, in, in what it's worth, but get, but guess what? People will still accept it. You'll still use it because 
everything else will fall down more. You can buy a Rolex with five hundred dollars. Okay. I don't think I that's mean, ever happened. Maybe in World War II. Maybe. Well, Maybe in World War II. Okay. The Turkish just group World War II. The Turkish Greek War. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't Maybe familiar with that one. Yeah, okay. I, I'm not familiar with the Turkish Greek War, but, but it's okay, very so, rare. But again, it's not just America. It depends where you live, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is also why I don't think silver is very good, because everyone says, oh, I'm going to buy silver to have as smaller cash in case of the war. No, pharmaceuticals are going to become more cash. That but but like, if you just do the S&P 500 for five years, you're going to be up 50% of your stack, and then you could do whatever bad investments you like after. But if you start you with buy, a, if you, you start with a prepper crisis. shit first, you want to buy stuff in crisis. People have made more money and more wealth in, in crazy crises by buying things dirt cheap and they just go up and, and price after yeah, rather than anywhere else. They bought they buy the top and it works too. You just got to wait longer. Like they're not going to stop printing money. The fiat currency okay. thing is here to stay. The okay. the prices so, of so stuff that's real is going to keep going up because they keep printing the money. Even if all the businesses in the world sucked, their prices are still going to go up because they keep printing the money. They're not going to stop printing. They're never going to stop printing the money. So anything that you own that's actually real is going to do pretty well, except for some reason, gold. <laughs> it just doesn't, okay, what is, doesn't what, fucking what is the, go that good. What does the audience think about this? I want to hear some opinions. We can talk about it. Come on. Well, I mean, my audience is a bunch of libertarian, gun-toting, Bitcoin-loving madmen, which is great. But uh, they they love their gold. Now, look, I was a gold bug, too. So I've owned shitloads of Krugerrands and gold eagles and fucking maple leafs and fucking Philharmonicers and every fucking gold coin there is. I fucking owned. But then I learned that you can't actually do anything with them. The best you could ever do is go to the one or two stores that fucking will buy them for you for real money. No, 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 no. There's no one or two stores. Again. It depends what kind of gold coins you have. You're not going to buy the collector's edition. You're going to buy British sovereign coins, right? They, they, you can sell them at a kiosk of cigarettes, dude. Everyone buys them. Everyone accepts them. <laughs> at at so. least they do in Greece. <laughs> Maybe okay, in so Greece, dude. If you know dude. anyone in Greece with a gold coin, he'll take it, okay? <laughs> in America, there's literally a YouTube video of a guy trying to give you know away why? gold coins for free Taxes. and no one will take it. You know why? Taxes as well. For tax reasons as well. People will yeah. accept gold coins. Trust me. But the other it's thing is you don't know whether your gold coin is filled with tungsten or not. So unless you use a ping oh, tester, yeah, you, you, well, like, you can get a check. There's there's this place to get a check and stuff like that. And you know, you just like you don't know if you're buying Bitcoin or something else. You can you know, know if you're, you're getting real Bitcoin, man. Research, yeah. We do know you're getting real Bitcoin. We know that shit. Do you? Yeah, like, man. It's fucking. That's the only thing we know. know they were, a lot of people thought they were buying Bitcoin and didn't know it. I feel sorry for those people. All right, it let's happens. see. Let's you, you, let's. You have to, Let's check the chat. Someone says, damn, Rich looks bigger. I hope you mean muscles. I hope that's what you mean. Because I'm bigger uh, a couple different ways. <laughs> uh, somebody says, the more gold you own, the money comes to you. That doesn't make any sense. Listen, uh, it's shiny. All, Look, this is, all this shit I'm wearing is gold. Like, no, actually, this is gold, and this is gold, and this is gold. And I guess this is, is, that is gold. Submarino? Is that a, a yeah, two-tone sub, nice 2003. Part. So when they switch to the one. gold band, it is gets a dent on it. it used to be all silver no here. Dent? Is it a no date or with a date? Uh, it's a date. All the subs are date. No, all the no, subs have date on them. There's a few of them and another collector's items. You can mm, if you actually run really into old. one in the in the, in the store, buy yeah. it as soon as you walk out. You, it's worth more. All right. Yeah, I just it's jewelry for me basically. I don't even wind it. It doesn't even tick, because I don't give a fuck. Like I live on a computer. I just wear this shit to look cool. Hey, right. look, I'm rich. I'm poor man rich. This this thing's like ten grand, and 
it goes up. Yeah, but like, who do, everyone's got 10 grand, right? So like technically right. this shouldn't be that exciting, right? It's not a Patek Philippe. 65% or... of American people don't, owe, don't own over $3,000 in their bank account, my friend. Yeah, yep. I think it's worse than that, actually. I think you're, I think the numbers I'm, are worse than what you just quoted. From what I'm I remember. talking about a statistic I heard that. Um, I heard it was worse. I heard it was like $800. I heard that like, like 75% of Americans don't have $800 for an emergency. That's the, this numbers. I don't even remember it being in the four digits. I remember being in the three well, digits. I People ain't got no money, dude. Everyone's fucking broke. Everyone's broke as fuck. So, except for people that had shorts on crypto in 2017, 2018. <laughs> <laughs> now here's the good news guys you know the reason they say everybody's a genius in a bear market i'm sorry everyone's a genius in a bull market is <laughs> because if you shorted the top if you shorted bitcoin at the top you sold one bitcoin short at twenty thousand, okay and you covered at three thousand you made seventeen thousand dollars now what percentage is seventeen thousand of the twenty thousand that you had to invest to make it because you sold the top, it cost you 20,000. Mm. Uh, you made 85%, mm. okay? Now, what if you bought the bottom? 3,000, right? Current bottom, whatever. How high would you have to go to make that same 85%? Double as much, I think, right? Well, no, you'd, you'd, you'd have to go almost double, right? So you would say, 3,000 almost double is uh, 5,000 something. Notice that you didn't have to go all the way up to 20,000. Exactly. You only had to go up 5,000. So I finally figured out, I actually finally figured out yesterday a way to understand why being long beats the fuck out of being short. Okay? So enjoy. I invented this. The guy that sold 20,000 and wrote it to 3,000, he made 17,000. The guy that bought 3,000 and wrote it to 20,000 also made 17,000. They both made 17,000. However, the guy that sold the top and wrote it to the bottom had to pay 20,000 to get in that game. But the guy that bought the bottom and wrote the top only had to pay 3,500 to get in that game. Exactly. 3,000. So the guy that at the bottom could buy instead of instead of selling one coin and making your 17 grand, he could buy four times as many coins, right? So now instead of making 17, he's making four times as much because he could buy four times the coins because to play the game and make that gains, he could buy this lower number here. So longing always beats the fuck out of shorting big time. Because if you, if you sold 20K and wrote it to zero, which it ain't going to zero, it's not. But if you sold 20K and you wrote it to zero, you doubled your stack. That's it. That's all you did. You made a double. You could get a double in Bitcoin by being long 3K to 6K. And then it keeps going, right? Mm. So being long beats the fuck out of being short. And the time for being long is soon. I don't think it's yet. I've never but in a few months, it's here. I've sold and then bought lower, but I've never, I sold at 6,000. As soon as, as soon as I saw it go right underneath 6,000, like I'm not going to make the same mistake again. This is going to go down. I sold and I bought back at 4,000. I thought, yeah, I, I wasn't thinking, but at least I sold that part. <laughs> That's the only time. 
and speculating is hard. And not everything, a part of it. You know, yeah. I just have you ever had this when you fall in love with your coins and you just cannot sell even hmm. though you know you have to? Mm -hmm. or you... Yes. Yeah, but it's how That's I got from thirty to here. Me. So it's hard, man. When you ain't used to selling, it's real hard. You know, it's like, uh, and particularly when it's not going to change your fucking life anyway. When there's just digits on a screen, it's like if my if my net worth went up ten tenfold. I'd hire a team of editors to customize my sci-fi book by demographic. We'd have the hippie version, business psycho version, you know, girl version. Uh, but like personally, I don't think anything would change. You know, I would just have more outreach for the stuff that I feel is is important. I wouldn't have different stuff. Maybe I'd pick a pick up a Daytona for fun. Get a nice. Uh, is that racer dude's name? He has the. Salad dressing, oh. racer dude, Daytona, salad dressing. Can't remember his name. It's dead now. Gives a lot of money to charity. Mm. Newman's own Paul Newman. So Paul Newman started Newman's Own's dressing, and they give all of their profit to charity. And mm. he was a racing fanatic and raced in the Daytona race, on top of being a fantastic actor. And so, I think the first Daytona was. Uh, kind of worn by and invented for him to use in the Daytona race, which is why it's called that. And I like it because it's functional. So, you know, if you're going to wear jewelry and you want it to have some function, this thing's function is it can go a thousand feet under the water. I don't like that shit. It hurts my ears. I'm not into it. Uh, it might be useful one day, though. Well, the Daytona, you know, has a chronograph, so you can actually have a start and stop timer on it. And, you know, if you want to yeah. walk somewhere and see how long it takes, you know, it looks cool. So I, I would rather have a Daytona than a sub. The sub is just, the blue is nice. They don't have a blue Daytona. And uh, it's the most recognizable Rolex too. So when you're gonna see a Rolex ad, you're gonna see this watch. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice, it's a nice looking watch. It's, it's, um, I like it a lot. My first, my favorite color was this electric blue that's in it. I had a, a Spectra Blue Mica Lexus that was this color and I just loved it. I think my, Color choice has changed. I'm more into reds and gold and black now than the blues for some reason. I guess I'm getting I like, old. I, I, blue. I, I'm going away from black and I'm going more into blue. I don't yeah. know if it's an age thing or if it's. Uh, I, I've been. I think we just mix it up. Is once you've been around so long, your brain just gets satiated and it wants to try some new shit. You know. That's why that, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see black as more negative. I, I, I'm very into colors that, you know, bring out positivity. You're a big dude, though. Black helps hide the, uh, the meat. <laughs> Here's the thing. I became the big, I was, I, I was bodybuilding. It's, huh. we, we've been through a lot of stuff, same stuff. I used to bodybuild, right? Huh. And I'm telling you, even a few years ago, you can see pictures of me. I was 104 kilos with a six-pack abs. That's nice. crazy. That's a pretty big guy. That's great. Um, I got fed a little bit, then I got cancer. And what happened was after cancer, and I'll tell you both parts of it. One part, I started eating a lot and there was a lot of cortisone and all that stopped working out. So I lost a lot of muscle mass. I started gaining weight fast and easily. Yeah. The second part was I was very greedy because while I was fighting cancer, I was doing all the health food stuff. I was doing all the, um, you know, do this, eat that. Before that, I was inter inter intermittent fasting. I couldn't do right. that while I was fighting cancer, though. But after that, I, I guess 
I, I, after the, I, I just, I just went all out eating, and uh, I need to get back into, I need to get, get, get back into the gym now, because I had bone marrow transplant as well. So I you had, had you have what kind of cancer? You have blood cancer. I, uh, I had leukemia? a non -ag aggressive non-Hodgkin's lymphoma okay. of Mendias or something like that. It's very rare, and um, yeah. it was it was bad. So I had to I had to do the transplants and everything. And since then, I have joint pains, pains all over. It's insane. I'm not the person I used to. I'm 41 years old right now. You look young. And you get good skin. I used to look younger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but I went through hell. Anyway, um, that's when I wrote, as we were talking about in the beginning of the, uh, before we got on the, the, the live stream, I wrote my first book, Success IAO, right there. What, what, yeah, right What's there. What's the IAO stand for? I'm sure you've been asked. Something and overcome. And overcome. Okay, nice. And it's all about success mindset and what you need to do to actually succeed. So it's a more of a business and life book. It's not a cancer book, even though it has some examples in there. And I wrote that to, you know, not to when I became better, when I lived, when I survived the cancer, not to start over again. And at the same sort of time, and, and if I died to leave something behind. And at the same time, I wrote The Closers Part 3 right there. I don't know if you guys can see it. That's Magazine that's on top, living, it looks like. Yeah, that's okay. written with living legend Ben Gay III. He was with Napoleon Hill and Zig Ziglar. He's one of the best sales trainers in the His world. His name's He's Ben Gay. He's 70-something years old. Is his name Ben and Gay? Wrote, ben Gay the Third. Yes, I know. It's, it's really, <laughs> it, 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 the first thing he used to do when he opened speeches is, okay, let's address the gay part. <laughs> Before we to, well, I mean, that's a joint. Is, isn't, isn't Ben Gay something you use to relieve muscle pain? Isn't it an ointment? And actually, yeah, it's, it, and he actually made a joke about, made a video okay. about that. <laughs> I think it's what you put on people's jock straps in the gym to fuck yeah, with them. Yeah, something like that. Something like to that, spice yeah. them up. But I wrote it with him. And that was while I was fighting cancer. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, um, just so people can understand, and, and I'm not doing this to show off. I'm just going to tell you guys what it takes to succeed right now. There was times where I couldn't write. I was 19 days in the bed because I had an injection in my spine that went wrong. And I couldn't get out of bed. I would get dizzy, lose where I am, and fall. So I had to stay in bed for 19 days. I literally recorded my book and had it transcribed when that happened. So I kept going. I kept. I literally started a YouTube channel, Paul Democritus. You can look me up, PaulDTV.com for easier access. I literally started while having cancer. You'll see me with no eyebrows, looking like shit, trying to talk on camera. You know. So don't be ashamed to get yourself out there. You you gotta do whatever it takes in order to succeed. Um, I wrote the. Uh, soon after I wrote How to Sell a Pen, I wrote the Crypto Factor. Right. I wrote these books while my sister had cancer. She died a few months ago, unfortunately. And my mom had cancer. Now she's doing good, 90% reduction, but I went through that. And, and that happened when I came back from Poland to Greece. I learned all this and was watched my house burn down in Kineta. So everything are you, are you, was- Do you live in Greece? Yes. Nice. Yes. I lived in right. Poland for a while. Came, I went out there, came back, but uh, only you have You back. should be telling people to own gold. Because you have a fucked up situation over there. It depends there. on the country. You're they just in. took a, you guys took a haircut on your bank accounts, yeah. which is very That's rare true. in the the year 2000 and up, you know. So yeah. 
where you live, I could understand avoiding the banking system at all costs because they're not very friendly to the, but they're not, Greece is not getting the best of deals from the EU from what I hear. So exactly. Plus gold coins, they, they go as collectibles, so you can always say you inherited them for tax reasons. There you go. So that's why it's a, it always depends where you live. Yep, true. <laughs> Absolutely true. Uh, anyway, that said, so you have to keep on moving no matter what you're going through. I hear a lot of excuses like, oh, I have it tough. Oh, I'm, you know, um, I've been through shit. Yeah, everyone has a story and everyone successful has been through shit. It's how you handle your shit. <laughs> and where you get you just get different life. shit as you move up the food chain you just get a higher class of shit but the exactly. shit never stops you're gonna have problems like like for example i moved my arm and now yeah. it's like hurting me and it's driving me nuts because of all this chemo shit and you know that i got i went through so that stopped me from going to gym but i still go i still try to go whenever i can i can't wake up early in the morning anymore and go for like walks and runs and shit like that forget that shit but right. I'm still trying to get back to the gym, still trying to, you know, do what I have to do. And I'm going to start, you know, trying to watch my health, what I eat lately. I got to eat well. less. Like, yeah. I've, I've still got my mad gains. I've only had four weeks off, and I'm still strong as fuck. Uh, or at least I feel and look as though Try, try intermittent fasting. You, 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 you yeah. have, I had more power when I was intermittent fasting than what I think I it gets your testosterone was... up. Like, when, you're, yeah. when your body realizes that it ain't got food, so it's got to fucking maybe fight to get some. I think it ups your yeah. testosterone a bit because it's like, oh, we can't just sit around. We gotta, we gotta we act. Yeah. So, I, I, I'm pretty sure intermittent fasting would, either intermittent fasting or just straight up fasting, would uh, make my scale a lot happier. Helps you heal as well. <laughs> it would make my wardrobe a lot more uh, exciting than the black T-shirt I'm wearing. <laughs> I got a lot of nice clothes that uh, I don't fit in right now. I, 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 I can't fit in any of them. Yeah. I can't. And my girlfriend's skinny. That's good. So he's walking down the street. I'm 146. You can hide her if anyone's ever trying to find her. You know, just uh, jump on top. Yeah. She feels safe. But she's um, she, she's uh, she's a beautiful, great girl, by the way. She stuck by me four years. We, that's I got amazing. Six months after I was with her. So that's uh, that's a good girl you got there. And she's young. She was 23 at the time. Nice, like, dude. So almost 23. So it's kind of like she stuck through everything. And, it's really and, good. You know, it's important. It's important to find someone. Like I that. I agree with you a hundred percent. If you can find someone that you like and they like you, yeah, it makes life a lot better. And, and they don't. And you know, they don't have to be the same as you. A lot of people, a lot of gurus out there say, buy you know, get someone that also into sales, also into no. They just don't have to stop you doing your shit. That that concept is like absurd. If you watch, if you go on your girlfriend's Netflix and you see what is advertised there, this shit don't look like your Netflix. There ain't no movies in common. There'll be like one movie in common. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I go it, fishing. My girlfriend hates fishing. Now she yeah. likes it because I take her for trips to go fishing. So I found right. a little ground. So like, if, <laughs> if, if you pick a girl to be with and you're a guy, it's very likely your interests are going to be wildly different without having yeah, to make yeah. much effort at all because they don't read the same magazines. Your YouTube, I'll tell you, my YouTube is all fast cars and guns. That's my right. YouTube and crypto, I guess. <laughs> right. So all I'm advertised is fast cars and guns and, and crypto stuff. And I don't even watch the crypto stuff, but I guess I right. click my own videos to edit them and stuff. So they Related. think I do. Yeah. Related. Now, 
you go on your girls, it's all makeup, uh, celebrity this, gossip, gossip. that. Oh my God. Like, dude, uh, you know, there ain't nothing in common. Nothing in common. And, That's fine. and I don't even watch TV, right? So it's very, right. we recently found some things in common. We both like Marvel movies. Nice. That's nice. So we, we actually go watch movies and stuff like that together. Uh, but forget talking business or anything like that with her. She's very smart, though. I would, I would literally invest, and I'm thinking about it, opening up like a, like a, um, a fast food thing, but like uh-huh. a Greek-style fast food thing or something for her. Okay. She's actually very smart. She's going to work for other people. She's very dedicated. She's fully trustworthy. Like you can trust Be careful with that, man, because when your girl gets a, uh, a job or a startup, even worse, she can bring that stress home to you. So if you don't need the money, I'm partial to letting a girl uh, just I, chill. I didn't have, when she's working now, but w- but when I when li- when I was in Poland, I wouldn't let her work. And as soon as I get some projects back up, because you know after you know after everything happened to my family, my a lot of my funds, a lot of cash flow, if you will, left. Well, at least um, you got a scalable business. I mean. Oh, yeah. Marginal cost per new customer on a on an informational. Oh yeah, I'm is not low. living bad. I'm not living bad, and and she doesn't have to work if she doesn't want to, but like she wants to anyway, um, which is good because we also have some time on our own as well. But uh, I, I'm literally thinking about opening up a, a business again, mm-hmm. because I opened up businesses in the past and, and I wasn't. I was very good at filling them up with people and doing well. Come here, puppy. People were stupid the shit out of me. And I failed in that person. I, I need someone, you know, and, and she would have been great at that. So she'd be a Just great be careful. manager. They say not I'm to mix business and pleasure. Like they literally, it's a saying to not mix business and pleasure. Yeah. Just be careful. Yeah. Yes. Because you're, you're, you're basically time. like, if you believe in, in reducing your risk by spreading your bets and having some gold for safety, if you double down your income and your love, and your hobbies into the same entity when that entity develops problems the problems are going to be amplified and oh, but it's problems business. happen but it's another business i have a company i have a company consulting company i do video music production as well this is another right. bit i wouldn't i wouldn't put her in all my businesses because yes well i'll right. just give you a scenario what if her shit starts to what if she needs you to like uh make some time to cover for her because she has to do something else Right. And then you're yeah, in there, then you're in there she, making she up some time she can't even do that now. and then, and then it's like, oh, well, I need you to do a little bit more. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. you're there, like, then you're neglecting your businesses to do hers. It's just, this just adds complexity. I'm yeah. not going to be in a fast food restaurant. Then. That's not thing. I, I, I'll, I'll <laughs> I had a nightclub. I, I, I would do it with a nightclub. Yeah. I'll take it. I guess that was a very successful nightclub actually. But, it was, uh, it was neat talking to you, man. I, uh, yeah, it was cool, man. Was I cool. like I people to... that uh, support personal development. I think yeah. that everyone knows what they should do, and no one's doing it. And we need people like you and the guys that you worked with before. Ben Gay. Lol. I'm going to have to Google that. <laughs> and uh, I will not forget it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I have a a book that I wrote, but... I don't, I didn't finish it like you did. Right. So congratulations. That must be nice. <laughs> uh, my book sucks. It's so long. I have to make it into seven books. And I don't want that, to. Though. I want to talk to you after we finish this live right. stream that you start right. recording. I want to talk to you about that. All right. So 
my, the moral of the story is if you can convince, like I, I do get emails from people whose lives I have changed mm. and it's relatively often, you know, it's like used to be maybe two or three a week. Now maybe it's like once every two weeks or something. Um, that, that makes a big difference. You know, a lot of people will go their whole life without ever positively impacting anybody. You know, some people are just warnings, not examples. Mm. And guys like you that put pen to paper and speak for hours on your own time for free to try and give people better knowledge, to try and improve the outcomes that they get in their life. Like what really could be better than that? Like maybe medical research, but short of that, like we're improving the human condition in the most effective way that it can be improved, not by giving it better stuff, but by giving it better habits and focuses and abilities. So I, I think personal development is wholesome and I would even call it holy. I think it's fabulous. So you've chosen a great business. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It is my higher goal. Uh, I'll say this before, you know, when I got, if I live and die old with my friends, cancer may have been the best thing that ever happened. It yep. gave me a higher goal, a higher purpose, if you will. Agree. And and I made a promise. It was a holy one. So that is my why, if you will. And that's what drives me. It pulls me to do more. You know, you know what I mean? A lot. It's what you said before. A lot of people don't know where they're going or what their goals are in life. I'm happy and to give them to you guys if if you want me to, to give you your goals. Get rich. Yeah. Get fit. Try and live as long as healthy as you can. It's not that hard, right? Eat no. good food, listen to good music, not too loud. Your ears don't regenerate, so don't blow them out. <laughs> it was good talking to you. Um, I guess we'll call it quits on the streams. We did, uh, I don't know, did we do three hours? I think we did three Maybe hours. Been, yeah. So for anyone that's still watching, go ahead and subscribe down below. Oh yeah, chill. Just... Let's chill our stuff, dude. You can chill your stuff first. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll just show one thing. I'll just show, uh, I'll show two things. My YouTube channel, if you want to find me, my name is Paul Democrito. I'm sure Richard will leave a link in the description below. It's in there already. Awesome. And uh, only, but only subscribe if you're interested in success videos and sales training videos and interviews on success with successful people. If you're not interested in that, don't subscribe. You don't have to subscribe to every single thing on the, because people tell you to right so only if you're interested uh the second thing i'm gonna tell you is about this book. this is the crypto factor part one now this includes whoever is anybody in in crypto how they succeeded how to really succeed in cryptocurrency in the blockchain and what you do and these are interviews by andres and Donopoulos, john mcafee roger ver tony vase um hayden gittermeyer slaughtered his name <laughs> you know, hell, whole, the, the chart guys, a whole bunch of people, Joe Calm wrote the forward for it from the Bad Crypto Podcast. He's also a 15 times bestseller. It's, it's a lot of value in here, whether you're in crypto or not. These are how people succeeded, what they felt like, and similarities between them. And Richard is obviously in uh, the vo volume two. I hope, which, I hope something good comes of it. I hope I said yeah, something smart that has utility for people. The, which also features Andonopoulos, again, this time as himself, the last one, he was the voice of Bitcoin. 
uh, talking on behalf of Bitcoin to see similarities and success with people and, and crypto. It's actually quite interesting. I don't want to spoil it. Right. Um, it features Craig Wright and a mm. lot of other people as well. So it's going to be very packed in with success messages and learn from other people. You can find that at thecryptofactor.net. All right. That's my shills. My, Everything my else, shill, I'll find it. <laughs> my shilling is more multivariate. Um, if you want to get rich, the richest you'll ever get is on something that you got a lot of for free and then sold at a high price later. Mm. So I'm giving away free coins. Go to bitcoinhex.com. If you want to put your email in there, go ahead. Eventually, when there's something important that I feel like emailing you, you'll get the email if the email server gods allow it. Uh, what I like to see is people joining the chat room because there's 2,000 people in there now, 1,800, I think, 1,850. And uh, we talk about the game theory. We talk about how you should stake, when you should stake, how many people we think are going to claim, what the price might be worth, you know, and there's still design decisions like, you know, should we allow Ethereum to claim for just the first day because we can trustlessly set an exchange rate that's reasonable between Bitcoin and Ethereum? Can't do it past that day, right? Because we can't update it because it's trustless. So I'm thinking yes. A lot of people are thinking no. We have those arguments. We do a lot of arguing in there. You know, we're building the future. While other people talk about crypto, we're building it. So if you want to be in on the ground floor of something that I believe will be a top three and then top one coin, join t.me forward slash Bitcoin hex. We also have awesome memes. Uh, we got new memes coming out every day. Just a bunch of volunteers of the project that just happen to, great, happen to be great graphic artists and video artists and make really funny memes. So uh, if, if you want to be part of a community that's building something amazing, that's doing something Bitcoin can't do, trustless interest, replacing the CD that has 600 billion in value in the United States alone, <clears throat> we're doing that. No one else is. So go to Bitcoin Hex, slap your email, go to the chat room. Now, once you get in there, you're going to see list all the other chat rooms. We've got a trading chat, Strape Charts. We got uh, normal general crypto chat, Strape, 6,000 people in there. We got uh, my free books. One is How to Fix the World, which is all the stuff that you can't personally affect but matters, politics, economics. And then we've got stuff that will affect your life, stuff you can do. So that's, you know, money, power, respect, time, environment, experience. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, all that stuff. Uh, that's called SciVive. Those books are free. Uh, T.me forward slash SciVive, S-C-I-V-I-V-E. Uh, if you want to get wrecked doing margin trading and going 50x, 100x leverage, buy in dips with leverage, get a 40% dip, buy it 3x long. Bull market, beautiful, beautiful strategy. Uh, or you see XRP just got listed today. XRP is traded on BitMEX as well. You can use my link, gives you 10% discount, richardhart.win. If you need a VPN to be from another country because you're on vacation in America and you seem like an American, but you're really not, uh, then you can use the links that are pinned to all my channels. So free book, free coins, free information, shill links, I think that's it. Try and save your own life, right? Like if you're rich, give money to the Sense Foundation, accept crypto. If uh, Vitalik gave him a couple million dollars, the Pineapple Fund gave him a couple million dollars. 
they're my favorite charity because uh, something like 200,000 people a day die of just melting away. Mm. Well, you know what? I got something I could share with you that I bet you didn't know before I tell it to you. 40% of people are likely to get cancer. 40% of people. I heard that from you. Yep. 40% of everyone will die of cancer. And 40% of everyone will die of heart disease. Obviously, your heritage has a little bit to do with which way you lean. This is the part that will blow your mind. If you cured cancer, totally, 100% cured cancer, and that kills 40% of everybody, how much longer do you think people would live on average? A lot more. Most people guess about 20 years. The actual answer is three, three years. Mm. Curing cancer is only worth three years. Why? How could it be so little? It kills 40% of people. Here is why. Cancer usually doesn't cause itself. It is usually caused by age. Old people get the vast majority of cancer. So if you cure cancer, the same shitty age that caused the cancer just rotates into causing some shitty other thing. So if you cure the cancer, you get heart attack. If you cure the heart attack, you get stroke. If you cure the stroke, you get this other shitty thing. So it turns out that if you can delay human aging by three years through intermittent fasting or exercise or health or habit or metformin or we've got things going on, right? Resveratrol or similar things that activate the SRT1 pathway, which simulates fasting. When you realize that curing cancer that kills 40% of people is only worth three years, you start to seriously consider researching shit that slows the aging process down. Because curing heart disease also only gets you three years. And if you cure heart disease and cancer, which kill 80% of everyone, you only get seven years. The math on why three plus three equals seven is hard, but I've looked into it and it is the case. Uh, We need more medical research. We need to delay the aging process. I heard that people getting born now, that are growing up now, may live to see 120 or even 200 years the way medicine is progressing, and we should be part of that. At some point, aging will be eliminated. You will still die by accident at the age of 600 on average, unless people start to get more safe. Mm. So preventing the diseases of aging is not immortality. And it is inevitable and it will happen. The only question is, will your ass be dead and rotting when it's finally the found the cure? Or will you, you be think around? people used to live that long, historically? No. I mean, there's a story about Methuselah, but it was basically a mistranslation, apparently. And the other thing is, like, if you're, if you're into the Bible, which many people are, and you don't think suicide is okay, if, you, if God has given you the tools to save yourself and your loved ones and the future of mankind by curing terrible, stupid diseases, and you choose not to use those tools, is that not suicide to some degree? Choosing to die earlier through lack of action? I agree with you. I, I actually have a lot of faith, and I agree. That I think I, I also believe in science and medicine. <laughs> if you weren't supposed to be able to do it, you wouldn't have been given the tools. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have, you wouldn't have a chart showing longer life expectancy the whole way. <clears throat> the ancient Greeks used to say, if you are drowning, 
and you're praying to Poseidon to save you, yeah, pray, but move your arms. Swim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agree, agree. It was really nice talking to you, man. Um, yeah, congratulations great, man. on being alive. It's, uh, it's, I, 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 I can't imagine how empowering that must be to uh, to know that you beat one of the hardest hardest bosses. You know, it's like that must feel good. I look forward to a, a grand challenge that I can conquer and and feel the same. I guess it'll just be yeah. a commercial one. There are other grand challenges that um, don't require you to be so close to death. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it by choice. Right. <laughs> no. I know what you mean. All right, stream. I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, his YouTube and Twitter and website are down in the description. And I got messaged by my amazing uh, timestamps guy that he's working on the timestamps. It usually takes him 2x to 3x, well, maybe 1x to 2x as long as the video. So maybe in five hours, he'll be done with the timestamps. They are the best timestamps in the industry. Um, they'll be very detailed and very awesome. So if you liked anything you heard us talk about, you'll be able to just click the, the minute mark and you know refer your friends to it or whatever. And I'm going to stand with Paul to have a chat about what it's like to actually finish a book. Uh, good luck, guys. Go into my chat room and talk to all the other smart, awesome people. t.me forward slash t.me forward slash Bitcoin hex. See you later.